You're about to witness a seismic event. Talk brunch where the geeks are all baby faces. Now, let the party begin. Live, start the countdown. Three, two, one. What's up, fellow brunchers? Welcome to Talk Brunch Live, November 18th, 2019. I'm your host as always, Rick Dara, a.k.a. Captain Brunch, and listen to episode 351. Co-piloting the brunch with me, as always, is Mr. Destin Frazier. The biggest night of the year is almost here. But before that, War Games Survivor Series. <laughs> wow, that's harsh. Yeah, I'm a Survivor <laughs> Series guy, though, man. It's my favorite papers in my favorite season. Also, yeah. today marks the anniversary of the day that I bought the website, TalkBrunch.com, and started to plan this crazy stuff five years ago. So here we are, five years later, which means that this upcoming Monday is our anniversary episode. So there's a lot to talk about between then and now, including two voting polls where we're going to be going over the NXT Takeover War Games 3 match lineup, along with, of course, Survivor Series 2019, as well as updates on all of the big stories going on, including WWE's requested releases, the current wave of them, Ronda Rousey's upcoming documentary, as well as a bunch of other issues happening between contracts and AEW stars and mudslinging and WW2K getting their account hacked on social media. That being said, shout out to everybody in the chat room who's been hanging out with us the entire night. We've got Stasis Dreams and Emang, Six Slayer, Willie V2, Kula Ice, Joe Woko, Matthias2314, Mark710, and also all those currently listening to the live broadcast over at TalkRunch.com. And of course, the majority of you who are listening via the man on iTunes, Stitcher, and all other popular podcatcher apps. We're available on every major, day, every major, I don't say major, major digital audio provider, including <laughs> SoundCloud. Just search TalkBrunch, and you can visit TalkBrunch.com for that, plus our social media links, as well as replays of all of our content. Or you could just speak into your Alexa and ask for us. Just tell it to play the TalkBrunch podcast. Doesn't that make your life easier? You don't even have to press anything to be able to listen to Destiny. It's just, just a voice away. It's better than the clapper. Remember the clapper? You probably don't. Oh, yes. You do? <laughs> I'm not that young. Jesus. <laughs> the clapper. <laughs> that thing must have sucked when you had a woman over on one night stand. Yeah, you would think, oh, pfft. I guess you'd have to just unplug whatever was attached to, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At that point, like, you got to unplug for the bitch to come over. Yeah, you don't want to be caught out there. You want to be out oh, here no. and not caught out there. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Oh, oh shit! So uh, yeah, you told me you you made some made away like a bandit over in GameStop, huh? Yeah, uh, I found an old uh, gift card from God months ago. That I think I got as like a gift or something. Thing had like almost two hundred bucks with it. I wound up grabbing I think like four games. So I was just like, yeah, and there's still some left on it. So I grabbed Ratchet and Clank. Um, what's this other one? I grabbed like an MLB one just because I, I dabble in baseball games here and there. But the biggest ones I grabbed was a 
the new Star Wars game and Death Stranding. Which consoles did you get uh, the Star Wars game for? Uh, Star Wars, I got it for the Xbox, and everything else was on the floor. So, so Death Stranding, I've watched a lot of streams and gameplay of it. I've seen some interesting reviews. Um, and you know, I'm a big fan of Kojima. I've played, I've played a lot of the codec conversations from Metal Gear on this show. That being said, I mean, I'm, I'm talking, and I've said before that the Metal Gear Solid series is my favorite games of all time. Um, I'm not impressed with what I've seen. It seems like, and that's the direction a lot of games have been going in lately. They're trying to make some sort of a freaking artistic statement of some sort. A lot of these big time, uh, developers tend to do that kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah, the man is a genius. There's no question. I've played other stuff. Lunar Nights for a DS fantastic game. If you haven't seen it before, check that out. That was awesome. Um, you know, it's a very smart guy, but this, this is just kind of weird. Everything. I haven't seen any part of it yet. That's interesting. And I've, I've seen some of the bigger reviewers like, um, Sterling. You know, Dreamcast guy, all these dudes, they've gone as far to just not call it interesting. <laughs> you know, it looks like you're just running around delivering stuff in a really obscure world as Daryl. Yeah, I mean, it's, I could see there's, from what I've seen of a little bit I played, because I think I only played maybe a couple hours before uh, Raw, if even that. It's weird, that's for sure. <laughs> but whatever, like, these creatures are that's out there, I've already gotten to a point where you're having to make a trip back while they're there. And it's not even that you can't see them. It's that it's really hard to track where they are. It definitely gives, like, a sense of it being tense. Because I felt, like, kind of on edge the whole time I'm making this trek. But from what I'm gathering so far, yeah, you definitely are making deliveries in places. But you're having to deal with this otherworldly element at the same time. Like, I haven't gotten far in enough to where I can really kind of see where they're going with this. But, I mean... I, I, maybe it's because I have a high tolerance for weird games. So far, I'm not. So far, I really don't have any complaints. I love the environment; it's beautiful. Um, because I, it, from what I've heard, this game is long, so yeah. I'm definitely uh, strapped in to see what's going to happen. But I mean, eh, you never know what's going to happen. So. Yeah, it, it definitely looks like an interesting concept. Um, I've also seen people say that you can literally just walk through everything, that there there are things that make it seem like they're going to drag you down and ghosts and monsters and you might mess yeah. up the package, but it's all really just cosmetic. And that if you were to just go forward, nothing really bad, it's almost impossible to lose in this game. Yeah, I mean, one thing I actually have noticed is kind of interesting. <laughs> yo, cool. yo, Mark said it says UP. <laughs> Dead Stranded. That's fucked AKA up. UPS Simulator. Oh, you ain't shit. <laughs> and I feel bad because, uh, like, again, Kojima, man, Hideo Kojima, he is the man to, he's like the Yoda of game development. You ever notice when he comes out on the stage, he gets that Yoda vibe, like everybody gets quiet, yeah. like, you know, like you could be watching one minute, you're watching some new Tony Hawk shit or whatever, or you're looking at the latest Call of Duty, and then all of a sudden he comes out, and it's like, <laughs> you know, so I mean, but this just looks weird, man. I haven't seen yeah. one, one clip yet where I, I want to do that where i'm like that looks great man i want to see what's happening there it's more like all right it's this is awkward and i, I know you actually use your uh 
your human excrements as grenade bombs in this, right? Like you go to a place where you that see much it. I that this oh, is yeah, new yeah, to yeah. me. <laughs> I seen a clip where where Daryl pulls on his pants and he sits like on the toilet, like in a little cubicle, and then that thing like it generates the grenades. That's how he replenishes the grenades because the 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 urine and the feces is transformed, and somehow with the technology that they use, it, those become his grenades. The whole the whole thing is just really fucking bizarre, man. I can't act like it isn't. You know, it's really oh, weird. Yeah, I, I, there's no doubt about it. This game is fucking weird. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know, but, but I think it's because it's Hideo Kojima. I feel like there's something more that nobody else has seen, and for some reason he's not telling. That's where I'm kind of like, I don't know how to feel about it. Now, the Star Wars, I haven't gotten the chance to try yet, but I plan on actually trying that tomorrow when I get up. From what I've heard, this game is absolutely fantastic. That looks really good. Like, we're hearing, we're hearing from what I've heard, I've, I've heard Dark Souls and Star Wars had a baby. Like, I've been hearing off and on. It's called Star Souls now. Yeah, but it's not as hard as Dark Souls, but we hear it does have that formula. And I have seen people meditating. Like, you go to, like, the little campfires and you meditate, and that causes all the enemies around you to respawn. Like, it's the Dark Souls formula for certain when you look at this game but it is star wars and it looks good at least it's refreshing because my problem when i first saw it at e3 was that it felt like another star wars game like we've already gone through two force unleashed and it just felt like a generic third person shooter with a badass with a lightsaber going forward at least they handled this one better and i think uh and this is coming from someone who I think has most of the achievements in the two Force Unleashed games. They were a little too unleashed, is my biggest complaint about them. No matter what difficulty you, you played it on, you were you were just a little bit too unleashed for this to be uh, a fully enjoyable or immersive experience. Where it's like this game feels more like they, they used a reasonable amount of Force enough to still create a believable and tension-filled world. You know, it's kind of like... You know, when you don't have too much of something, it always makes it better when you get it. If you even look back at uh, the Martin series and the way the magic is used there, even on HBO, I give them credit for that much. They never went wild with magic. You never see people hurling thunderbolts across the screen at each other, you know, and that makes right. it where when something magical happens, it's really special. You know, and it's something that's really important. So when exactly. I can transition that logic into into gaming or anything else, it, it, it works really well. Yeah, I mean, definitely going to see how that feels tomorrow. I'm going to see... As time goes on, I get through it, how Death Stranding goes. So far, I'm actually enjoying the experience. I'm liking, like, traversing through the world. A cool little detail is um, you'll have things like, whether it be rope climbing places, ladders and stuff that other players have actually left behind. And what's kind of cool is, like, I think I ran through one where um, I was going back to my destination trying to get around all those creatures. And I think I found, like, a long rope that I was able to climb down and it gave me an easier path to get away. When you've discovered these things, you can actually hit um, that center button on the PlayStation and you can like it. So then when I, when that other player comes back and sees it, they see people have come across whatever it was out to help them get across a river, get up a mountain, anything. And they've seen other players have come across that. Mm-hmm. So it's actually a really cool detail that that game does. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard a lot of good stuff about it. So, it's weird that's that's definitely for sure you can't even deny that but i mean i'm gonna give it time and see how i feel about it so fair enough fair enough and as for me uh as far as the streaming on the channel goes when we're not in here doing the wrestling i know it's been a lot of call of duty i hate to say it, i really like that game guys but it's, it's like my favorite thing going right now so um but i'm gonna try to get back on board with the other stuff that we're playing like the outer worlds i'll start doing more of that to go through our playthrough of that and uh you know anything else new that comes down the pipe I know we have some plans this week, so we'll see. All right. 
Well, first story on the list here, we have good old Ronda Rousey, which we're going to be getting a documentary. As a matter of fact, by the time you're hearing this, if you're not listening live, that documentary is probably available for you to watch. Um, This is going to be in digital format. Uh, I'm assuming that this is a documentary for... Uh, I could be wrong. I don't want to get you guys excited. I don't know why I would say that, but yeah, hopefully we can watch it soon. Anyway, let's check out this trailer and see what we got going on here. I told her always, I said, she's going to be champion. She's good. She's just naturally gifted. Ronda Rousey has broken the gender barrier in the UFC. She changed the way that we look at women. She changed the way that women look at themselves. And she definitely changed the way little girls look at what's possible. Ronda's one of the greatest human beings I've ever met. She's a heart of gold. She's got brains. She's got beauty. She's got the whole package. If a woman can go in there and do what Ronda Rousey does, women can do anything. She does a lot of stuff that nobody sees. She is not one of those people that kind of is there for the photo op. I don't ever remember a scenario where a woman could kick a man's ass until Ronda Rousey. She's like a superhero, man. I think Ronda is just smarter than every single person out there. And she will never give up. There's people that want to be champions, and then there's people that want to be the best, and there's people that want to be the best ever, the legend, and that's what she wants to be. Her ups and downs made her who she is. Tough times don't last, tough people do. She has no fear. She's a fighter. I want to make my coaches proud of me. Ronda is just the best fighter in the world. To me. Very interesting. Hmm. What do you think? Yeah, it looks like it's going to be really good. Uh, I like the title. The fact that I said through my father's eyes because, uh, as you said on here before, before he passed away, Rhonda's dad said she was going to be something special one day. Mm-hmm. By the way, cool guys, thank you for the thank you for the host. I actually turned it on ahead of you hosting me. I this time it just didn't. I guess it was still loading or something. So, but yeah, thanks yeah. for the host, man. Yeah. And- it's going to be a it's going to be a really good watch for sure though like the women's combat sports in general has not been the same since ronda rousey showed up i've never missed a live ronda rousey fight my whole life and i know that there weren't many but i mean there were still quite a few but i'd never miss a single ronda rousey fight live and uh I think at a time when there were times when the sport did have its downs, she really kept me invested. And I mean, really invested. Like, I'm not ashamed to say that Ronda Rousey's fights are easily some of the most invested I've ever been in fights in my entire life. Uh, where it was just like the, the exciting, as they call it, the big fight feel for a lot of the fights that she had when she was climbing through that entire women's division was con- it was insane. There was nothing like that. The, the the rivalry with her and Misha Tate, you know, the everything, you know, the 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 whole climb and the fall, the rise and the fall of the entire thing. I was really happy. I kind of feel like uh, it's one of those things you hear fans of basketball say. I've said on here before, like how lucky were the people that got to live through the Michael Jordan era or the Mike Tyson era ever, you know, anything like that, where it's like you know that those things they're they're one of a kind. If you've ever experienced it, that's that's not very often that someone 
is that good at something where it's just incredible. And like seeing that entire run, I think was really cool. So having a documentary about it was, uh, was awesome. Exactly. I mean, what's up, Squires? Uh, Rhonda changed everything. Like I think Joe Rogan said it the best. Rhonda Rousey isn't once in a lifetime. She's once ever. You're never going to see another Ronda Rousey again as long as you live, as long as your children's children live. Like she, from the moment she showed up in Strike Force, she changed everything. She showed up in Strike Force at a time when Misha Tate was damn near unbeatable and she was running through everybody. And then she ran through Misha. The UFC showed up. She ran through almost that whole division. It was kind of funny. Um, I got this little mini Twitter Twitter exchange with this guy and he talked about oh the girls uh she beat weren't that good and i'm like this bitch was tapping olympic gold medalists and fucking muay thai champions ronda rousey was notorious and i think the uh, the ironically the match she made she had with alexa bliss when she won the title was a perfect reflection of it ronda rousey made a reputation of taking world-class athletes and running through them like they were fresh out because she was that good. Like Liz Carmouche in that fight at UFC 157 trained to stop her armbar and still got tapped in the first round with an armbar. That is ungodly skill. And when she lost, it wasn't to say she lost her scrubs. And that's the reason why I hate when people throw it. I like, ah, like if she got dominated or she was, a, I've heard people say that she was a hoax, you know, and that she was protected. I call nonsense. First of all, how was she protected? Who didn't she fight? Like she fought everyone. The whole division got cleaned out. Kat Zingano and Misha Tate and twice Beth, Beth <laughs> Carrera. There was no one left. She clean. She went through the whole. If anything, she was the most unprotected fighter yeah. I've ever seen. They would just Alexa try to get Davis. They, they tried to get whoever like, the hell they could. They tried to get whoever they could find on the map against her, and then they finally did. What more of a compliment could you say to someone as a fighter than that they literally had to scour the earth and fighters had to climb through the ranks to eventually reach you and then finally be? It's not like it just happened overnight. There were attempts to make good fights against this woman and she was unstoppable. And then I've a lot of people. Before, mm-hmm. I've said before, Holly Holm was tailor made to beat Ronda Rousey because Holly answers the question of what happens if Ronda can't get her hands on you. Amanda Nunes, she hits harder than most of the heavyweights. Yeah, and then what on top the of that, respect what happens when she makes contact. And then I've heard her relying on her judo was being criticized. Well, yeah, everyone. I mean, that's a stupid criticism. There, there's so many people. Like when someone goes in there, well, one of the dudes goes in there and relies on his BJJ or any of that other shit. You never hear anyone go, "Well, he's just relying on or his or his Muay Thai or whatever the hell he has." You've never heard that be a criticism if they have something that's their expertise. You know what I mean? And. Then my defense to that also was there's a lot of fights she won that didn't use any judo. Like, I've seen her just punch yeah. people down. We've seen her knock I mean, people out. We've seen her do all kinds of shit. So I think that she uh, had a really good run. And when she finally did lose, it was to someone whose career I was following. That if, you, if you've if you been in this channel since year one, I used to post videos of Holly Holm um, sparring with John Jones. Way, way yeah. back before she was a factor in the entire big scene in UFC. And it was just, she just happened to be another person I follow. Partially because of John Jones, but I've always followed uh, Holly Holm and her knockouts and everything else. I never, in, a, in my wildest dreams, it's kind of like the Candice LeRae or the Young Bucks thing where we used to post all that obscure shit on here, where we never in our wildest dreams thought it would be a thing. But this was the way it was with Holly Holm, where we used to post a lot of Holmes Jones stuff on here. And uh, just in support of them. And I never thought that those paths would cross, which was why I was torn for that fight. But I knew it was possible. I didn't think it was that possible. But uh, if you look at that and the history of the way she set up that that finish, it's it's not unheard of for home to do that. I think it's a great story. 
Exactly. I mean, the only mistake Rhonda made, and it's not even necessarily a huge mistake, is she just didn't have a plan B. But she's never needed a plan B her entire career. Yeah, that had to do with and, 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 and that's exactly what Holly took advantage of. Holly knew she wouldn't have a plan B if she couldn't get a hold of her. And yeah. Ronda got frustrated and Ronda started chasing her. Yeah. And then the second fight, the Nunez, uh, I mean, Nunez is a monster, man. You know, yeah. I mean, you can't even. Nunez him. knocks a so Nunez knocked. <laughs> let's, let's put this into perspective right now. Ronda Rousey has basically broken Misha's arm twice. Misha kept fighting. Yeah. Nunez had her wanting to retire mid fight. Yeah, she's had a few people. You know what I mean? Instead, no one called Apollo a bitch for being killed by Drago. And you know what I mean? Spoiler for Rocky. And I know it's fic- fictional, but hey, you guys in Philly have a statue of the fictional guy. So don't judge me for using that as the metaphor, <laughs> assholes. You know, but the point being that no one's ever looked at that fight and been like, Apollo's a bitch. Not one person ever watched that. Everyone still thought he went out like a badass and everyone still thought he, he, he went out on his sword where it was just like, ah, oh, Apollo. Everyone's too, too consumed by the grief of the fact that Rocky's friend was dead than to think about the fact that he he was destroyed. But the point being, the reason they didn't look at it that way is because Drago was a monster. Just like just like Nunes. You know? It's yeah. like this is you gotta give that same level of sympathy. Anybody who fights this woman's no bitch, man. You know how hard she hits? You could see how hard she hits. It's bad when you can see how hard somebody hits. It like when you see the will to fight leave somebody's body. Yeah, I'm not giving anybody shit for losing that person. She yeah. ripped through Cyborg at one point. Like yeah. She the, the people who beat her were literally basically better than everybody else in that division. That's why they beat her. And my one regret of the Ronda Rousey era was that all at the time, no one was even paying attention to any of these women, home, home or Nunes. The one that they focused on was Cyborg. And we had a whole Cyborg fan base out there that was saying, if Ronda ever gets in the ring with Cyborg, she'll be exposed for being... And I kept saying, man... If Rhonda ever gets her hands on this woman, you guys are going to be one, one disappointed fan base. Rhonda's going to kill Cyborg. Like, I don't care how jacked up she is. Like, I felt like she was going to kill her ass. And we never got that fight. But you know what? Other people have killed her. <laughs> you know, since then, like other people, she, she wasn't as great as everybody thought. Like, this new generation of fighters has killed her. And I really think that Rhonda would have. Exactly. Because the problem with it is... It's a known fact. Cyborg does not have the greatest ground game in the world. Guess what Ronda Rousey's fucking specialty is? Taking yeah. people to the ground. Mm-hmm. The second Cyborg leaves her feet, it's a wrap. Like, yeah, so I think that's great that Ronda's getting this documentary. We're going to be able to go back and re-explore, yeah. even for those that didn't follow her whole career. Going to get to go back and see and the, the whole rise, and then even eventually the ascension into WWE, which will this, lead to... And the cool part about it is, this is actually the second one she's gotten. She got one um not too long after the first women's fight in the UFC. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be a more up-to-date one, which is really cool. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it because, like I said, that that woman has done a lot for the sport, and I think people are just mean as hell when they are uh, when they don't give credit where credit's due. At, at this point, I just whittle it down to which one of your favorites did she tap out? Yeah, and did they even have favorites? Like, well, that's the thing. A lot of people only got involved in this towards the end. They can't even tell you who what the hell happened in those fights, which is part of the aggravating part for me. You know, where it's like, do you, like, you, you got on at the end. <laughs> you know, so, the, write it down. They, write, they, it, they, write, write that down. You got on at the end. They're, they're the equivalent of the people who heard, who heard CM Punk got beat up, but didn't actually watch the second fight. Yeah, pretty much. Which is the worst kind of fan. Like, those are the fans we don't need. We don't need the bandwagons. Yeah, don't be that fan. Yeah, I don't. It's just, it's unbelievable. But, hey, good for Ronda. Yeah, very good for Ronda. 
All right. Well, in other news, there's been more WWE release stuff going. Can you believe it, dude? I can't believe it. Who would want to leave this wonderful company with their Lashley and Rusev angles and their Tyson Fury and his muffin top looking like a substitute teacher? Who? Mr. One Larkin. Like y'all Fury. <laughs> Biff Busick. And I remember when I used to watch FCW, that's how long this guy's been around. He, he, he was around during, I believe he was out during that era. And he wrestled as Biff Busick before they repackaged him as Oni Larkin. And, uh, According to PW Insider, he is requested for his release. He requested for it at the end of last month. And he changed his profile back to his old name. And uh, he deleted all of his WWE stuff that was on there. The speculation going around is because of the fact that he's been dissatisfied with the company. Now, listen, you guys know when we're on here, we always uh, we don't pull any punches when it comes to WWE and them being selfish or cranky or any of these other things. You know, we we call it as we see it. That being said... In WWE's defense, I think a person that has the least to complain about was Oni Larkin. I, I feel like I couldn't turn on a WWE program without seeing Oni Larkin. And it wasn't just like a little bit of Oni Larkin. He was never just waiting in the ring after commercial break. It was his intro, his, oh, hey, uh, you know, it was tag teaming with the other guy. Well, the other guy, Dan, uh, Danny Burch. Danny Burch, you know what I mean? It was 205 Live. It was NXT. There were points where he was main eventing. I feel like this guy had gotten so much exposure. It went from a guy who it looked like they literally, as they used to say, creative has nothing for you. It went from a guy who looked like he was intended to simply be a good hand. He was almost like the Brooklyn Brawler of NXT. You know, it's like this guy who's a great worker, but he doesn't really have any kind of gimmick that matters, you know, or even a Malenko, something like that, you know, not, not to that wrestling capacity, but you know, a really good good a good hand and it looked like somehow from that they just decided hey guess what we're gonna make this guy what he needs to be you know what i mean we're gonna make this uh you know we're gonna make him into a into a character which he became a known character he became contenders for things right it's like the dude has had five star cruiserweight championship matches like what do you really have to bitch about if anything, you're t- your partner, who we haven't seen in God knows how long, we only see when he's tagging with you. That's somebody who could complain. Yeah. No, so it's just strange to hear him asking for his release. I mean, who knows if that's the reason? You know, maybe we'll get more details. It's just strange, you know, because according to Meltzer on Wrestling Observer Radio, he was saying that uh, he said he's wanted out um, because he's been unhappy for a while, you know? And so, uh, yeah, it's just really strange. And he basically said that he's 34, so it's probably like he's getting to that stage where he's like, he's good and he's never going to get a chance to show it here. But if he waits three years to get out of here, maybe he won't be so good. So maybe he'll be more banged up or he'll need to get out of here. But this again, just the most of speculation. Take that all with a grain of salt. I, I take all of that nonsense except the actual facts with a grain of salt. We don't know the guy's frame of mind or what the hell went into him wanting the release. But I'm just saying that it's strange for him to say, uh, you know, even that doesn't make sense for that to be his logic that he he's never going to get the chance to show how good he is here because he is going to get a chance he has gotten a chance he may not become yeah. the world champion but i mean that's by no fault of his and it's by just the nature of the beast no pun intended but when you got guys like brock lesnar or even the fiend and these crazy larger than life characters not everybody's going to be that you know what i mean and it would be weird no matter how much you like him as a wrestler for only larkin to be the wwe champion or the universal champion no one would accept that not even hardcore fans no one be like holy shit only larkin so i mean i don't know how much more of a push the man can get he was on he was on tv sometimes two three times a week exactly like 
you really don't have much to complain about, dude. Like, yeah, of course, you, yeah, you haven't won the Cruiserweight Championship, but for Christ's sakes, like, you've put on some of the best championship matches since that thing's been back. Like, Everyone's going to know who Oni Larkin is. You know what exactly. I mean? What more could you want from, from life? Nobody's forgetting that guy. You know, he had a better career than I thought he was going to have. <laughs> exactly. I thought he was just going to be some guy who just happened to fight but lose all the time. Like, no, this dude was putting on amazing matches. That trick of street fight he had with Davari was incredible. Like, ah, so I'm just finding it a little bit weird. And again, this is not me defending the company in general. We know that they have issues. It's just surprising to hear, see that even the guys that are getting the pushes that are being used want to leave. Makes you wonder, does it have anything to do with the push? Maybe he's unhappy and different. Maybe it's the schedule. Maybe it's the fact that he's being used three, four times. Maybe it's the fact that they haven't let him grab the brass ring, maybe. Or in this case, the, the murder ring. You know, maybe it's a combination of things, you know. But uh, right now, we're hearing that uh, the, the locker room split in the sense that there are people who think that WWE should just really let the people who want to leave, leave because keeping them there is really hurting the morale of the entire locker room because they're not letting them go. But then at the same time, um, you know, there are people who, who signed big contracts, you know, and that's the way contracts generally work, which is that's why contracts exist. I mean, to the defense of the business, that's the whole purpose of having a contract with somebody so that they can't break it without there being a consequence. But then on the flip side of things, if we're going to play devil's devil's advocate, then, you know, the fact that they're still listed as independent contractors when it comes to tax time and all that other stuff. You, so you have an independent contractor on a contract that, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's a strange situation here, you know, but right now, WWE, they are not in a situation where they want to release people just because they're trying to release them. Um, according to Meltzer, he said that until WWE started tacking more time onto contracts, they had a lot of guys who, because they didn't have agents negotiate their contracts, there were a lot of guys where they didn't realize until they signed their contracts, they thought that their contract was up and then they were told, you got six more months. It's not like they knew ahead of time that they were still on their contracts. So, you know, guys who just kind of signed them blindly, kind of like the way you hit accept when you get a new video game. People who did shit like that, that didn't have lawyers, that didn't learn the weren't big, they didn't realize that this time was still being delayed. So a lot of them thought that they could get released. So we don't know in particularly who, but that leaves speculation to when people have said stuff like, well, I'm leaving WWE. They might have literally thought that shit, <laughs> you know, and it's like, surprise, you're not. And right now, WWE, they're clenching their ass cheeks because at the end of the day, there's lots of guys that they don't want to get rid of because now suddenly the business is booming and there are people all over the place who pretty much pick at any talent that they could get their hands on. And they know that anything could be an advantage. You know, we got to uh, look what's happening over with, uh, what's his name? Takaki Kidani from Bushi Road. Um, that is basically the parent company of New Japan Pro Wrestling and stardom now since they have purchased both of them. And they basically said that in regards to Kyrie Sane and Io Shirai, and the director's quoted saying, I will prepare the stage. So I'd like you to come back. Of course, multiple years with WWE. It is a story after the correct, after the contract is over, but I would like to show you, to show you coming back as an option. We are considering making a return offer. So I mean, they look at that, you know, he didn't really commit any crime. First of all, it's an overseas country, you know, so they don't have our business laws. I believe you're allowed to, because if it was like AEW couldn't do that, like Cody Rhodes couldn't be like, hey, Kyrie Sane and Neil Shirai, when, you're, when your contracts have come to AEW, but they're in Japan. That shit doesn't apply here. That being said, you got the guy who's the director of Bushi Road, which is the parent company of both freaking stardom and New Japan, saying, hey, Neil Shirai, Kyrie Sane, when you guys are done with those WWE contracts, you want to come back to Japan, we're ready for you. Exactly. They're sitting there like, hey, open arms. You're more than welcome to come back. And that's the thing. That's the, that's what's making WWE worried. Everyone is, has offers right now. 
everyone whose contract is up has offers. Yeah, you know? like they've come to the realization that it's like, hey, these guys don't have to stay here. And in turn, they wind up not staying there. You know, Earl Hebner spoke to Wrestling Inc. And he basically said that the reason he's in AEW is because it doesn't feel like you're in prison here. You've got more leeway and it's more relaxing. It feels like you were you were in a, a prisoner in WWE, but not in AEW. And it's just a more laid back company. And at his age, this is great for him. You know, like, think about it. The guy said it doesn't feel like prison. That's how it seems to be with a lot of people who are there right now. Yeah. It's rough times, man. Every, everybody just seems to be able to just have fun and just be themselves. We talked about the fact that, like, with Sean Spears, we've taken him more seriously than ever before. Yeah. And I like it. I like a lot of stuff that's happening. Yeah. You know? So more to look forward to as far as that goes. But um, the contract situation is becoming a tight one because, again, you know, it's tight times. We're hearing that they're going to release their grasp, but it's it's just not really looking that way. Like, what will be their incentive for uh, for doing that? I don't think yeah. I think no matter what happens, they're not releasing a grasp. They're too paranoid. Yeah. For the wrong reasons, too. And like, yeah. The, yeah, it's like they're paranoid because they know if these guys go somewhere else, they're going to get over it because they're not going to be they're going to be allowed to get themselves over. They're not going to be able to control what they do outside of the walls. Yeah, exactly. But um, it's just see before they would just tell people what to do. See, now they have to sort of work with these superstars and give them incentives, which is what they've always needed. That's what a wrestling union would have been in a way. Not having a union has become advantageous now because you know what we get. They're getting the same kind of treatment as if they do. They're seeing what the best deals are and the best places that they could go. In the future, people might be more skeptical to sign those giant contracts now. And WWE exactly. will be able to always force people into those kind of contracts. I don't know how shorter contracts will work, but if you want to have people sign larger contracts, then at the end of the day, you might have to uh, give a lot more money than you used to be able to. And WWE needs to get into the habit of if you promise somebody something, you give it to them. Because then you're going to see cases where people aren't going to want to sign those big contracts. Because it's like, okay, you were promising me this, that, and the third. But let's be real. You're not going to give me any of that. So why should I bother signing? Yeah. Well, that's what the contracts are for. Though. Hopefully they do make them. If whatever they offer you, you should get. Yeah. Problem is WWE has a, has a bad history of not giving. I mean, I'm just saying. <clears throat> my channels. Oh, they gave him something, all right. <laughs> it's kind of funny because uh, in our in our previous episode, toward the end, we were talking about how those writers uh, are are terrible writers. They're virgin writers that don't know how to write women. You guys heard the rant at the end of last week where I just went off and it was just how awful they are. And uh, I even said that the same crappy writer who did the uh, who did the freaking Mike Canellis and Maria Canellis thing is probably the same virgin. Went on to do the, uh, the Rusev, Lana, Bobby Lashley angle. And now having read the sheets and looked at some of the news, I think it was because it's being reported that that's literally what happened. That storyline was originally going to be from Mike and Maria. And then they decided let's just switch it over to, <laughs> to, to Rusev and Lana. So it's the same story by the same guy. That's why it seems just as shit. <sighs> but let's try to talk about some happy stuff. Um, I don't know if this is happy, but the, apparently the AEW stars did some sort of a chip challenge where they they ate these deadly chips. Have you heard about this? I've heard about it, but I haven't seen it, but I heard it was funny. That's how, I don't know if we can look at this whole thing, but let's look at some of it. Ah! Ah! I can't make it to the show. All right. You see the... 
Botchamania. So you guys see the title of the video. This is the One Chip Challenge. I'm here with the OG himself, Rick Knox. And Ray Phoenix. And of course, I'm Sammy Guevara. The best ever. The best who ever done it. Jesus of Wrestling. The Spanish God. Jesus. Uh, I'm just going to keep going. Oh, I'm running out of names here. I think you're going to be the murderer of us all as well. Paired right now. So this isn't the most planned out thing. Normally people have gallons of milk when they're doing this. All we have is water. So I think uh, we all eat it and then... You have to eat the whole thing? The whole thing. Oh, brother. Uh, eat at your own risk. Do not eat if you are sensitive to spicy foods. I'm to peppers, nightshades, or capsaicin, or are pregnant, or have any medical conditions. Okay, dude. pregnant, you gotta <laughs> <laughs> children. After touching the chip, wash your hands with soap and do not touch okay. your eyes. Oh, yeah, definitely don't touch your eyes. That's on the warning label? Holy shit. Considering yourself warned. This is this. And if you guys notice, the box is, the, is in the shape yeah. of a coffin. I like you said, only 20 calories. Oh, and yeah. They come in something that's in the shape of a coffin? I'm worried about the calories. I'm already worried. The chip is black. Uh, I want to I wanna see the good thing, bro. <laughs> Before. I want to I try this a little bit. Yeah, I don't oh, think I man. Can. Just. It's oh, black, bro. What? It's already spicy? Yeah. Just, whew. Already? Wow. Not. Man, this is crazy. All right, Okay, you don't don't all, right, yeah. all right, so let's all do it at the you same time. All right. all right, all right, take a bite. The fucking chip is black. <coughs> How are you going to do that without milk around, guys? Jesus. No, you can't do it yet. No, no. <laughs> that water's going to make it worse. Are you kidding me? Okay. They need you milk. the whole thing, though. Sure. Let's see. All right. Oh, really? I'm going for it. Dude! Come on. Oh, what? Yeah, I'm doing it. Did it. Oh my god, he's gonna die. He obviously wins. <sighs> Whoever drinks the water oh, no, last English. wins. Whoever drinks the Show water last. I'm, I'm yeah, gonna win. Yeah. Okay. Whoa! Ah. <coughs> I'm good. If you have to tell yourself you're good, you're not good. <laughs> What is the point of this? Uh, <laughs> this? Hey man, I, I just gotta say, I'm crying. This is hot, but this is not hotter than the hottest merch in the wrestling game. SammyGuevara.com, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, tapping out? No! That is nuts. Fuck, I've never seen somebody do this without oh. milk. Okay. <laughs> Crying. Wait. <laughs> I'm not crying. Oh, look you okay? miserable. <laughs> I'm not crying. Holy I'm not crying. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I don't need the water, man. Oh my god, Phoenix with mask off. You didn't even eat all your dough! You didn't even eat all your chips! I took two little bites! I'm a gringo! Oh, f***. This f*** hurts! 
I can't make it to the show. Wow. Episode title: All balls, no milk. Well, I won, so I can drink water now, dude. Okay, 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 okay. Oh my god! Shit. All I'm saying is, if we don't see them on Wednesday, we know why. Rough times, boy. Yeah, I, I like spicy stuff, but I don't want it to be spicy to the point where you have to prepare for it. And there's a warning label about don't touch right. your eyes after you eat this. <laughs> Whatever you don't touch your eyes. <laughs> if something requires you to not touch your eyes, it should not be in your mouth. No, no, it shouldn't. Dear God, and with no milk. Like. Okay, well, in other more serious AEW news, if there even is such a thing, they're going to have a bash at the beach. Yep. It's coming back. Look at this here. Let's bring this up on the screen. Looking at this for the first time. What do we got here? You know, let's enlarge it as a matter of fact. All right. Mark, I hope not. So we got AEW Dynamite scheduled for Wednesday, January 15th in Miami, Florida has gotten just a little bit bigger now as the event will be officially titled Bash at the Beach. Tickets go on sale this Friday, November 22nd at noon Eastern time for AEW's hashtag Bash at the Beach, AEWTix.com. And then there is the poster to it right there pretty cool it's pretty dope gonna drop this on twitter for anybody listening on itunes there you go um so yeah they have bash at the beach and um the reason why they're able to do this is because uh cody owns bash at the beach he filed for the copyright back in march the wwe didn't have it so they wound up taking it he filed for a bunch of other copyrights and uh they're the American Dream, the American Nightmare, Dusty Rhodes, Battle Ball, Bunkhouse Stampede, The Match Beyond, The Prince of Wrestling. And uh, it's been noted by the sheets that The Match Beyond being a name stands out because technically that's the second half of a War Games match. And in the past, Cody has mentioned wanting to buy the War Games name from WWE. So having mentioned that and now has a pay-per-view copyright, assumingly called The Bash, The Match Beyond. It might be uh, their version of War Games. AEW War Games might be AEW The Match Beyond, which is an interesting name. Yeah, it's something different. Yeah. Well, yeah, it looks like people have been saying for years that there should be Bash at the Beach. It's a shame that he couldn't get Halloween Havoc since they don't seem to make any use of that. Instead, we get Saudi exactly. Arabia. That's the only horror stories that we get are on planes. Yeah. You know. Punishment at the plane. Yeah. So, WWE 2K, their accounts have all been hacked, right? They've been had it hacked. Yeah. Somebody hacked their Twitter account. Isn't that brilliant? It's fucking amazing. Just to think that, uh, just the fun never stops with how bad of a rep this company has gotten recently. That their accounts have been hacked. And, uh, did you hear anything about what the hackers did? I didn't hear what the hackers did, but I just saw so far over they got hacked. But I was like, oh, Christ, I'm scared of what they did. Let me see if I could just bring up here what they did for you. Oh, fuck. I know. The internet is a horrible place, too, so I am terrified. Yeah, there we go there. Okay, so for people who are listening to Just the Auto, by the way, come to Mixer. <laughs> if you go to Mixer.com slash TalkBrunch and scroll down, we, you'll see a thing for past streams. If you're watching this tonight, if you're curious about any of the visuals, you can come and take a look at what we have on the screen. So, uh, oh, God. 
So this yeah. used to be the WWE 2K20 or whatever 2K version you're up to. It changes along with the years. But for years, this has been the WWE 2K Facebook account. And apparently, I guess some smart-ass fans or or anti-fans got a hold of this page. And they decided they wanted to change the profile picture, the banner that goes across the top, and a bunch of other things about it. So what we have here is the profile of it says AEW Wrestling. And it has Chris Benoit in the Hall of Fame for 2016. Someone photoshopped Chris Benoit on it. They really trolled these guys. Like, oh um, my god i know right like jesus it, and they couldn't get control of their page and it's funny because they said st- they sent out a thing saying that our page has been compromised but uh yeah i don't know just more heat for them you know just more just more things not working out for them I thought it was interesting it has a w on there that couldn't have made uh wwe happy you know protect your stuff man use two point verification or whatever the hell you got to do to keep these accounts protected Use that Saudi money. Yeah, right. Use that Saudi money. Write it down. There you go. (laughs) And that would be the screenshot. (laughs) Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we should probably get one poll out of the way. So in order to do so, though, first, we'd have to talk about uh, NXT. Oh, yes. The Wednesday Night Madness continues. (laughs) As usual, the party uh, in full sail. And uh, they kicked it off this week. The Cruiserweight Championship, Leo Rush and Angel Garza. Finished to this after two final hour frog splashes. Leo Rush uh, retains his Cruiserweight Championship. Really good this, match, though, right? Oh, this was a wild match. Hard-hitting, smash them out from basically start to finish. Angel Garza, and of course, like his typical style. I love how he started virtually spitting game at Leo's wife. And that just yeah. set Leo off. And it makes it look like this isn't the end between those two. I like uh, Garza's look, too. You know, he yeah. has a good look for what, for what they're using him for. I, I watched him, like, all those years in TNA. This is the best look he's had. Like, Yeah, for sure. Dude's absolutely amazing. I mean... I liked uh, when Leo when Leo got hit with that wing clipper and like it looked like Garza was about to get the win and then Angel decided to take it one step further to try to go for a wing clipper off the second rope, but it wound up not working. It turned into basically a headbutt battle into I guess what you could almost call it like a mid body uh Frankensteiner off the top rope. Yes, I said it, Steiner. But uh <laughs> Yeah, right. And he's not even <laughs> I don't know if he's looking, I'm just saying. But no, it was um amazing chemistry between these two. And it was only what their first time they've ever fought each other. Yeah, and it looked really good. Very solid stuff. And I'm glad that uh I'm glad it's working out for Leo Rush. We always talked in here about how back when he was in Ring of Honor he was really good and that he would be a great cruiserweight champion if they ever used him and here we are yeah. using him. I guess this is good karma for suffering through trying to get Lashley over. So. Mm-hmm, exactly. And, uh, yeah, and then we get a thing where uh, this whole entire thing, it's becoming a very violent Mortal Kombat-esque women's division, I have to say, because uh, it seems like oh, there's casualties God. everywhere because Tegan Knox and Ray Ripley are backstage completely laid out and they're trying to get help. And uh, they're pretty much, it. it uh, nothing really happens there. But... Uh, Apparently, they did get attacked backstage. Yeah, and Candice LeRae was even laid out as well. Mm-hmm. And I believe one of the people looking over them was, uh, what's her name? Scarlet. 
Scar. Oh yeah, Scarlett Cordova, who uh, is an who is basically the performance center now. Yeah, that might have just been an Easter egg though, since she hasn't been officially introduced. But she, they did have her there, looking distraught at the women who were down on the ground and everything. Which I mean, good for her. She ain't gonna have to live in a car no more. Look at you, girl, making it. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah. the the first then the next match was Zia Lee uh, being um, against. Aaliyah, Aaliyah being and more with casualties her, with, with her gal, gal pal Vanessa Bourne, and uh, I gotta say, and I, I know I've mentioned this before, but AEW has a really bad women's division, and it shows more now that they're against really good women on uh, NXT Wednesday. Yeah, because that, that's at, the one place where NXT is consistently winning. AEW's women's division. I know people aren't gonna like that I'm saying this. It's bad. There, I said it, it is a bad women's division. I'm past the honeymoon phase with them i'm not gonna praise everything that they do just because they're aew and not wwe their women's division is bad i've tried to think of redeeming qualities for their women's division and i can't i don't enjoy the matches at all the people in there aren't very compelling the top person that they have is Britt baker she's a solid hand and at best generic you know her her gimmick is her actual real life profession she's a dentist great um but, at but the that's end where of the it day, stops yeah there's nothing in that division that i could live without you know what i'm saying that i couldn't just live without at the end of the day uh the knockouts back um five six years ago were better than the aew division is now we had great knockouts like uh like the beautiful people and uh odb the dollhouse and all these i mean we've had some good workers back there and i really at the end of the day the more i watch of the nxt women's division specifically because the raw and smackdown they have their solid women of course obviously they run that shit you got charlotte you got becky you got some of the best people up there but that being said just the nxt division alone squashes anything AEW is doing they're 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 probably only the fourth place women's division if you ignore anything else, I mean, stardom probably is going to start climbing up there in the ranks too. And that's going to make them five at best. And they don't have the most compelling roster. This is supposed to be about NXT. So I don't want to segue too far away from it, but just watching this just made me realize, uh, just how little they have going on there because basic matches like this, like Zia Lee against Aaliyah look better. And those are the green girls. They look better than most of the stuff that happens on AEW. And last week, I forget who the two green girls that were that started on NXT, but I remember thinking that match was better than most things that I've seen on AEW. Yeah, the women's division is where NXT, like I said, they're consistently beating them every week. If it came down to just their women's divisions, yeah, AEW would be losing. Yeah. And that being yeah. said, uh, we do get like a really bad injury here because of oh, yeah. what winds up happening. Well, you could go into it. Go ahead. Yeah, basically, uh, the finish of this match is Zaya Lee virtually cave poor Aaliyah's nose in with a kick and gets the win by a pinfall. Yeah, it looked like she broke Aaliyah's nose. Yeah, but what actually happens, at least according to Wrestling Observer, is that her nose was not broken. She's having surgery on her nose, so that entire sequence was actually planned. Uh, so if you look at the sp- specific angles this past uh, Wednesday, you'll see that... Uh, you know, the the kick never even came close to her, you know. So basically, no, they are. Uh, this was just a work so that she could go get no surgery. And now they cleverly put it into a storyline. And it's smart. That's what you're supposed to do. You incorporate exactly. things, take advantage and incorporate things that are supposed to be in your storyline into your storyline. And they did a really good job with that, you know, because it made it seem like something bad really did happen there. Yeah. You know. 
I mean, yeah, Zylee's been rolling strong lately. She definitely still needs improvement for sure. But Look at that. They even went as she, far as on, on Aaliyah's social media. Sorry to cut you off. They went as far as on her social media. She posted a picture of the bloody nose. I got it up on the screen. Oh, God almighty. She looks like those eggs were not over easy like they were supposed to be. Like, <laughs> she looks like she got the hammer drop on her. <laughs> Good God. That's all the that's all the bad with no bougie. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, sure. Should I write that one down too? All bad, no bougie. Oh god. <laughs> Fuck it. Do it. <laughs> she took a beating there though, you know what I mean? But it was just that that was all part of the thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, smart way to smart way to do it. I mean, that's, that's virtually how they did uh Champa when he had to when he had to leave for uh, his next surgery that had like almost on injury angle in a sense with uh, him and Gargano. Mm-hmm. You do it smart. You don't just like make them disappear. You kind of like write it off to give the illusion like, hey, this is what caused the surgery when it's like, no, they just needed to go anyway. Yeah, Stacey said that she went to get the Eva Marinos, maybe. Oh, God. That, well, I mean, at least she'll come back done, with though. the wrestling ability. That's a girl who didn't need any work done. I hope it wasn't the influence of uh of the WWE telling her that she needs work done when she clearly does not, you know, because that sucks. We've heard yeah. stories before about how to suggest or imply maybe your titties could be bigger. They don't say it exactly like that. Maybe they do. If it was Michael yeah. Hayes, I imagine he would. I don't know why I said hey, that. Hey, your titties need to be better. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Threw poor Hayes under the bus. Fucking free bird, man. Oh, God. <laughs> but yeah, next, a uh, little bit of a segue into the next match, but uh, Bowler appears Basically making it clear that like, hey, NXT isn't what it used to be when he um was around. Talk shit about Matt Riddle. Pretty much Matt Riddle took it kind of personal and uh went after the former champion on this view era, surrounded the ring as well. But then uh Tommaso Champa and Keith Lee showed up and Keith Lee challenged Adam Cole to a match, but Roger Strong wound up uh taking the role, so he had Keith Lee versus Roderick Strong. The finish of this match being that like Death Valley jackhammer type move that um Lee does goes over from the win. Mm-hmm. So basically, Keith Lee just pinned the North American champion. Well, they're really high on Keith Lee. They tend to bask in his glory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, this match was awesome. My Probably my favorite spot is just because it's the raw power of Roderick Strong. That superplex where you could tell Roderick did more of the work than usually somebody his size would be doing. Yeah. And like Lee Lee bounced when he hit the ball. <laughs> that way they looked like it sucked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the whole thing that like I like I said, heavy hitting stuff going on in this company. I am starting to see uh a bit more of stuff that I want from uh WWE. You know what I mean? Taking nothing yeah. away from from AEW. Uh and I, I feel like suddenly the, the momentum has started to legit shift away, you know? Yeah, it's more of a it feels like more of an even playing field now. Yeah. Which does like I found I found myself genuinely invested in both shows, which is like you said, how it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But uh of course the chaos didn't end because one thing that uh was made clear is that due to this whole situation between Matt Riddle and uh Finn Balor, Riddle is off of Team Champa because he and Balor are gonna fight. But uh the chaos continued from there because after the match was over, Undisputed Era came out and jumped uh everybody. But we got a surprising appearance by Dominic Dijakovic and comes out and wipes out the Undisputed Era. 
And now Ciampa has another teammate in uh in the big man. Mm-hmm. Very good, very good combination of people there. Oh yeah, that's a chaotic team right there. Like two, I mean, Ciampa has the advantage of having two big guys, two of the biggest guys on the roster who don't move like it. Mm-hmm. So, so War War Games is looking to be really crazy. Yep. And then after that, uh, basically you have some more stuff going down backstage with the girls because you have uh, a couple of the horsewomen, um, and Candace and everyone who are, uh, who are all pretty much out cold, right? Everybody's dead. Yeah. You know, and then that's when Triple H shows up and, uh, you know, we go into that entire storyline before getting our next match. Yeah, which was Isaiah Swerve Scott and Bronson Reed finished that match, that nasty uh, jumping sidekick. Swerve hits him for the win. It looks really good the way that thing connects. Real, really Dude, solid everything stuff. he does looks like it could be a kill shot. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've always loved, the way his body moves. He sells the physicality of his moves so well. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And uh, it's that the spot is called the house call, that leaping sidekick that he does. Nice, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, they're really, really high on Scott, and I mean, you can't blame him. The dude's an unbelievable talent. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, they get a bit of a code of honor there to end that little segment. Yeah, Bronson Reed's been doing good since the, the breakout tournament. He's kind of been having like a back and forth when it comes to wins and losses, but he he's hanging in there. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Uh, essentially what happens after that is, uh, the next match, Pete Dunn against Killian Dane. Which never even gets started because, uh, Damian Priest shows up and basically just starts ripping through everything moving. So it looks like there's a big three-way lurking around the corner between these three. Yeah, he even winds up taking off some security. One of them gets hit with the freaking, uh, outsider's edge. Yeah, he, he pretty much, he pretty much border tossed him. Like, he... Yeah, he old he he old school LAX Hernandez his ass right over the freaking top. Yeah, last time I yeah. ever seen Hernandez do that, I know he must have done in the Indies, but last time they allowed him to do it in TNA was when he hit Doug Williams with that shit, and nearly killed him. Oh my god, remember that time when he hit Gail Kim and she folded like a freaking slinky? Yeah, that was a dangerous move right there. Right, I remember in the old TNA Impact video game, you didn't even see the guy land; he landed off screen. He used to throw him so far. Uh-huh. <laughs> like it sucks. Oh, but yeah, and then um, I believe what we had was the main event of the evening. First time ever on NXT TV, not only a ladders match, but a women's ladder match. Mia Yim and Io Shirai, winner gets advantage for their team at War Games. And mm-hmm. this match, good God. First yeah. of all, Io Shirai gets the briefcase and Team Baszler gets advantage. But this is after we get an appearance from the NXT Women's UK Champion, Kaylee Ray, mm-hmm. who pushes Mia Yim off the ladder and through another one. Yeah, that it was, a was nasty such spot. a bad landing. The medics were almost there before she hit the ground. Yeah, they probably anticipated that being an issue. They, they were already running down when they saw her hit airborne. You know, oh my and, god! Uh, was... And this was another match with a with a bloody nose. But guess what? This one is funny. They had to they had to do a work bloody nose for a storyline, and then they get a shoot bloody nose later in the night because Miriam did legit get her nose broken by that ladder shot. She basically uh, what exactly was the was the sequence that happened? Uh, she the, the ladder gets up. Uh, I think uh, 
Mia had a ladder in her hands, and EO hit that springboard drop kick, and she hit the ladder at an angle to where the rung of the ladder popped her right in the face. Yeah, the top part, the ladder that was facing the upmost top of her wound up hitting her right in the face. You can clearly see that it happened. And yeah, her nose yeah. is broken. And uh, I know it was a bad situation when something like that happens unexpected. But uh, I feel like the official lost a little bit of control out there once that happened. And I get it. This is unplanned. Oh, shit. What am I supposed to do? Um, I mean, I guess step one would be to know what you're supposed to do in case something like this ever happens ahead of time. Because clearly no one did know what the hell they were supposed to do here. Because the communication was a bit too obvious. And I know I'm nitpicking here. But literally everyone's levels of concern during this was so obvious you know Io Shirai looked really concerned the ref looked really concerned the ref went over and blatantly spoke to Io Shirai and then went back and blatantly uh wound up speaking to Mia Yim made sure Mia Yim was okay to continue the match went back to Io Shirai I think at one point she told her to start climbing the ladder maybe she thought that she would need to start climbing first but then on the way to climbing the ladder she went to tell her something else I guess maybe that Mia Yim would be okay for the finish but there was a lot of talking here you know they may as well have just done a timeout like in the old Save by the Bell the way Zach used to do just you know timeout (laughs) you know just fucking freeze everything and just let's just fix this you know because it just felt like that's what they wanted to do and I get it. That yeah. is an unexpected thing. You're not expecting to just have somebody's nose suddenly broken and they're bleeding. You're not sure if they're okay. And you're probably being spoken to on the headset by, uh, by Triple H and Sean, you know, and there's a whole bunch of shit. I can, I get it, but I'm just saying that unfortunately, and it was due to those circumstances, it looked like that female ref, that official just, she was trying to do a lot and, uh, it just didn't work out that well. You know, yeah, I think that um, Mia Yim, whose nose was broken, did a better job of continuing what she was supposed to do than the people who who were okay. You know, like the ref perfectly fine. Mia Yim just went about her her uh, her match, broken nose and all. I get it, they had to check, but uh, I just found that very interesting the way yeah, that, I mean, uh, things played and out. It, and it's like uh, I follow WWE's uh the WWE PC channel. They uh talked to Mia about that. Mia was, Mia literally said it just she felt like she just got hit in the face. She just felt like a lot of pressure on her nose. But when they were asking her, like, she knew what day it was. She knew what her birthday was. She knew where she was. She was basically fine. She just knew she got hit in the face really hard, but wasn't quite sure what happened. Yeah. So as bad as it was, she realistically wasn't as hurt or didn't feel as hurt as it looked to me. Still a rough spot, but I mean. Oh, yeah. I mean, if your nose is broken, you're hurt. Trust me. But I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying that she's a, pro- she's a professional and she just kept going. And it seemed like everyone else just kind of went into a halt. Yeah. But I mean, this did add a little bit of the craziness because we still didn't know at the time who uh, Shayna's last member was. And it's been made official because we're going to get. It's an interesting situation. We have both NXT's women's champions on the same team because Kaylee Ray is going to war games. Which would have been more of a surprise if they weren't doing any Kaylee Ray shit before this. Yeah. You know, but at least she's in the match either way. Yeah, it was surprising to see her show up too, but I mean, and then of course, after a little bit of the chaos, uh, Shayna shows up celebrating and then Bailey appears. Yeah, <laughs> angry Bailey. Angry Bailey. She gets more comfortable in her anger. Every week. Yeah, finally somebody else. Some, finally somebody shows up to NXT and actually gets an ass whooping in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that was NXT for the week. It was um, quite the interesting one. The only thing um, really left to find out 
is who that final member of Team Chompa is going to be, which we're hopefully going to find out on Wednesday. Yes. So we're about to do the poll. What we're going to do is uh, we have the poll in its current incarnation. If they add any matches between now and Saturday, we will add them. All you got to do is go back to the exact same poll and just fill out the ones that you did that weren't there before. Ignore the other ones. Don't you don't have to do them again. Just go for the ones. Skip all the ones you already answered and just answer the other ones. Trust me, the system will pick it up. So for now, that being said, as of this time, there are only three confirmed matches for the NXT TakeOver War Games this Saturday. Okay, there might be one or two more. At the same time, there might not be. Let's keep in mind that these war game matches are gigantic matches. These are big four and four matches for the guys, big four and four matches for the girls. And then you got the Finn Balor, Matt Riddle. So, I mean, you have yeah. pretty much already a stacked card. The war games matches are going to be long. But again, and on top of that, uh, not to jump in, but I mean, all of NXT champions are all in war games matches. There's no championships on the line this year, which they've never had happen at a takeover. Yeah. But again, in the event, that uh something else is added we will add it to the poll okay and just go back you don't have to do the whole thing again just do that one piece that shows up i'll link i'll even on social media i'll let you guys know when the poll's been updated but i just recommend coming back and checking regularly when you hear a match was confirmed um but i'll probably try to keep you guys in contact as far as that goes and that being said we're going to get that poll going now for those of you live in the chat room it's in here okay, let's vote on some war games we're also gonna um I'm gonna put out one ad libbed one suddenly. Get your votes in for or hashtag NXT takeover hashtag war games. And I'm just gonna hit enter there and there. Now that tweet is out there, and you guys all in the time have it. Alright, there we go. Now first match, Finn Balor versus Matt Riddle. What do you think? I mean, it's Balor's very first match back in NXT. There's no way they have him lose this. It doesn't make sense for Balor to lose this match. Do you I believe really... this is uh, his first takeover since TakeOver The End. <laughs> but do you really feel that way, though? That just because, I mean, why why wouldn't he be able to lose this match? It's not like he's new. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it's like... I guess with this uh with this heel Balor, which we've never gotten in um since he's been in WWE, it's kind of a thing where it's like, what does Riddle have to gain in a sense? Like Riddle could have I feel like Riddle could afford to lose this match a lot more than Balor, who Balor could. Cause I think Riddle's only lost at what, like one takeover, I think, so far since he's been here. Yeah. Uh I don't know. It's tough for me to decide because this is I can't uh there's not enough information, to be honest, for us to analyze how a returning NXT roster member is going to be treated going into this. That's entirely dependent on what they have in store for this feud. You know, that's entirely dependent on what they have career-wise in store for this man. Exactly. Is this someone who they're planning on on having somewhat of a career on this roster to help elevate the roster? And if so, is it going to be by him being uh, a top guy? Or is it going to be that this is something to use to further guys like Matt Riddle? And now I think about it, the thought just hit me because I remember in uh originally in NXT, this wouldn't get telegraphed like it used to on the main roster, but what happens if the demon comes home? They never used to telegraph it in NXT like they did on Raw or SmackDown. So Riddle might not get the man, Riddle might get the demon at war games. 
I don't think that the demon is a good idea for when you're using a heel Finn Balor, you know, because you're gonna, you're gonna make people pop and it's something that you don't want to get a positive reaction out of that character. That's the reason why he no longer does the hand thing. If you notice, he doesn't do it the same way he does the bullets. You know, he does the two guns instead of the hand thing. You, you, you want to definitely go against the grain of the crowd when you're trying to go on a heel persona. I don't think the demon would be appropriate for, uh, for the direction that he's going in, you know? Yeah. And it's not necessarily a special enough occasion for it. Yeah, it is his first takeover in several years, but it's still just his first match back. I don't think that the personality should ever be meshed together. You know, like, I don't think yeah. that, uh, I think once he, like, if you're going to do this, this, this is trying to be more like a, a, a Finn Balor, um, like a Fergal Devitt, Prince Devitt style character. And like, like I said, I don't think that the demon, like if they weren't going to use it when he was a baby face, like why break it out now? Because then he has to win, which I question whether or not he's going to go over Matt Riddle. I, I, um, I don't know. I think if he does, it's going to be with some sort of cheatery going on here. What Could do you guys be, in the mean... chat room think? Who do you think's taking this Balor or Riddle? I mean, we also it's a more violent Finn Balor than we've been seeing as of late. I mean, for God's sake, the man spiked Johnny Gargano with a bloody Sunday on the ramp. So, I mean, <laughs> it's a little. It's. I mean, I could honestly see Riddle winning as well. It's just I wonder how much is going to factor that it's Balor's first NXT match back since he comes since he's basically come home. Right. Yeah. Cool. Ice thinks Balor is going over as well. I guess I'm assuming based on the same logic as you. That uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's his first match. I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. It's a. T- it's really tough because it's like Riddle's no slouch. Riddle can get just as physical. Riddle can get just as violent. So I think that's going to be the one factor that's going to weigh the most. How much does it mean that this is his first match? And I mean, his first match is a takeover, where Balor used to run takeovers back in his time in NXT. Yeah. All right, so let's go Finn Balor on this. At least I'm yeah. gonna go Finn Balor. With you. I'm. I wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me if Riddle goes over, though. You know. I think yeah, it, it wouldn't be a surprise. This is a really even match. Yeah, I guess that's actually what makes it a good match. So there you go. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Then next, first time ever, the ladies get to play. It's the women's war game match. Bianca Belair, Io Shirai, the NXT UK Women's Champion Kaylee Ray, and the NXT Women's Champion Shayna Baszler versus Candice LeRae, Mia Yim, Tegan Knox, and the in the Mosh Pit Kid Rhea Ripley. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm gonna go for Rhea's team mainly because I think they're trying to line up a match between Shayna and Rhea for that championship. Yeah, I thought that the baby faces were going to go over here anyway, you know, so, I mean, that definitely adds fuel to that theory. Um, Kaylee yeah. Ray, I guess she's a, yeah, she would be considered a heel, right? Yes, she's, oh. she's basically been a heel the whole time she's been in NXT UK. Yeah, so I may as well have her, yeah, it, it all works which out, all, fits pro- perfectly, you know. Which also adds a different element as well, because Tegan Knox is mainly NXT UK as well. They could be lining up to. They could be lining up a title shot for each show. Mm, yeah, that could definitely work. And uh, they have yeah. it there. I mean, and then also with Shayna's team, two of the girls on her team she's beaten. I could see Bianca's attitude becoming a problem because let's be real, Bianca still talks shit like Shayna didn't choke her out twice. <laughs> Like, Mia hasn't pinned her twice. I could see that attitude costing them them, that team. And, I mean, Io 
EO's just in it for EO and couldn't give a shit about anybody else on that team. Rhea's team just seems like it's a more everybody kind of has the same end game. Yeah. So, yeah, that'll definitely be interesting. I'm wondering, though, when Mia Yim's nose broken, does she have to wear one of those masks like Tess used to wear back in the day? I mean, she was on SmackDown without one, so they... That's true. That's true. So was she, it she might be all right. Just, I mean, I don't know girl. if it was badly broken or was it, if it was just she just had a nosebleed. We're gonna have to look back into uh, those reports and find out. But yeah, I'm agreeing with you cut. here. I think Babyface is going over heels for certain. Um, who knows though? You know, it could go. With, yeah. This is another one that it could go either way. That's the cool thing about these war games matches so far. That uh, you know, it can literally go either way. Oh yeah, War Games is always nuts, and it's going to be really fun to see all eight of these women in that match. So, Mark Mark seven one zero said, "What if that girl who didn't get picked for the for the team screws someone over?" Yeah, it was uh, That's... it was what's the name, right? Uh, yeah, it was uh, Dakota Kai. Dakota Kai. I mean, actually... clearly she's going to screw somebody over. I don't know why they would bother. People don't get picked for shit in WWE all the time. They never focus on it, though. When's the last time you've seen somebody go, oh, look, you didn't get picked to be on the pay-per-view. <laughs> you know, or hey, they, hey. They, and they weren't even trying to be mean. You know, they were just like, you know, you didn't make the cut, sweetheart. Thanks for reminding me about that. But you're right. They were like, look, sorry, you didn't. You just didn't make it. And she just looked hey. frustrated. And um, one other thing, just to um, at the end, to, to make matters worse, when you look at it, we'll get into it later on. But she's the one on the other show that when they come to invade she's, she's the one who takes the job exactly so it's and like cool, just to go back to what cool was saying riddle being barefoot wouldn't have made a difference in war games we've talked about it before he's more comfortable that way it's actually preventing injury that he wrestles barefoot yeah but yeah yeah i could see just because of the fact that the champions are on the heel team i could see the faces going over because then you're you've set up two title matches right there Absolutely. So, yeah, I'm interested in that. I think you're right. The Candice LeRae, Mia Yamaha, Ripley Teagan, Knox team will go over here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so fantastic. And then at least for now, the last match we have, Tommaso Ciampa, Donovan Dijak, uh, Keith Lee, and their partner to be determined versus, for now, their third time undisputed era in war games. So, uh, what is up with that there? What are they trying to do here? I totally get the undisputed era and and their involvement in this. What why why is this last person being withheld until the final episode of NXT before the big pay-per-view? Like who is number 4 going to be for Champa's team? Yeah, that's the part I don't get. There's got to be there's some kind of a method to the madness like maybe it's one of these things where Champa's known who it was going to be. All and they're just and waiting until the last minute. So Undisputed has that much little time to, to prepare. Because it can't be Gargano, right? He's How injured is he? Could they do a return? Are they holding out to see if he could be cleared? What's what's his injury status? I know we haven't done injuries on him in a long time. There's been too much. to. Let me look at my injury program yeah. here. Do we got a Gargano thing? Yeah, it was a... Uh, yeah, he's not going to be able to be at... Uh, he has a cervical strain. And we he doesn't yeah. have a return date yet. Yeah, so it couldn't be Gargano. So maybe they were holding it out because they didn't know that yet. So now we have to think about who would be the person that they're going to bring in as the replacement for that. You know? Yeah, it's it's really tough to say, but um, uh, it so cooler things it might be uh, Isaiah Scott. It's too soon for a war game for him. Like I I don't know if I could have I don't know if I put him in war game so soon. Well, who Especially are your because if you have to put a if you have to put a person on Champa's team, who exactly are your options at this point that would make sense in that slot? 
Ooh, it's it's a hard choice because it's like you almost want to when you're looking at that NXT roster, it's hard to find because I, I feel like Ciampa would want experience on his team because nobody in his team has been in war games before. So I almost started to think maybe like a Pete Dunn. But then again, he's got that thing going on with Dane and Priest right now. Yeah. And then we uh, Mark asked about Velveteen Dream if he's still hurt. I don't know. I don't know the status of when his return would be. I don't remember if we talked about it on here, but there's a there's a choice um, of somebody like that. Pete Dunne, like you said, he's busy. It's it's interesting. They're, they're going into this. I don't know if they're going into this for the suspense of that last member or if they legit got screwed where it was like, oh, shit, we don't have a. We don't have any of these guys we wanted. We were hoping Gargano or Dream will be back, so we're we're gonna have to wing it there. Yeah, but uh, this it's that the, the, this one's a hard one just because we don't know who that fourth person is. Have we seen Scott's death match? Are you talking about Swerve Scott? I've never really seen him before here, but I really like that guy. That's one of my favorite up and comers right now. Like he's good, man. If they don't screw this up, they got a good guy there. Also, um, Stasis said Damian Priest for the uh for the. See, uh, Champa the only problem is is that Priest has had issues with Keith Lee. You don't want those two in war games together. <laughs> well, you know what? That that's essentially the entire weekend's events, though. If you look at Survivor Series, like everything's been that way. Um, you know, you have like people who are feuding, running out to fight and defend people they're feuding with because the other show is coming and attacking them. That's happened across all brands, so it wouldn't be the weirdest thing. I don't know if it would yeah. be if it's the thing that they're gonna do though. Yeah. So I think only because not only do they have a full team, but I think I even mentioned it maybe when they first announced War Games, maybe even the week after, if Undisputed Era stays together as a team for another year, they'll have tied the record for the same team going into War Games now three times. Cole, O'Reilly, and Fish have already been, and now this is going to be their third one. So Undisputed Era has experience on their side. Nobody in Ciampa's team has been in war games before, and Undisputed Era is one and one in this match. Yeah. The only person that I think, I mean, there's a couple of people that are 100% invested in on the babyface team right now, being Ciampa and Keith Lee. They definitely want to push those guys, not Jakovic or whatever the fuck as much. But, um, you know, the other two guys, they're definitely trying to push. Everybody in the Undisputed Era seems to be push-worthy now. You know, yeah. this is, it's funny how I'm looking at a big block of Ring of Honor on my screen right now because everyone right? from here is from Ring of Honor. <laughs> everyone from here. Maybe the last guy will be from Ring of Honor, you know, because it's like literally that's a whole Ring of Honor roster right there. Yeah, let it be Damian Priest. This is a Ring of Honor match now. And I think about it when I look at the whole thing, every member of Undisputed Era has been in all the War Games matches because even though he wasn't in it, Roddy teamed with AOP in the first one. Yeah, very true. They have the experience edge by a long shot, even though they lost last year. Cool, I said Tyler Bay. That would be cool. I don't know if it would be out of place though. Just it, then, it would just be like, here's a dude that you guys like. Have yeah, fun. you know, Tyler Bay might be a big, strong boy, but that boy ain't built for war games. <laughs> like, yeah, war games. Change, like that's the scary part about it is, is Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, and Roderick Strong are built for this match now because it's now going to be their third time they're stepping in that thing. So who do you guys see going over here? The Undisputed Era or the baby faces with the mystery partner? See, but now I'm thinking if they've been in now a third War Games, that team has two previous times to watch what they do in that match. Oh, man. <laughs> Damn it. This is a hard choice. Yeah. And I mean, this is nuts because it's going to be the only time. I think it's the only time ever there's been two War Games matches in the same night. Yeah, it probably is. Like, 
this is going to be nuts. Jay Briscoe. You know what? The sad part about it is if you threw Jay Briscoe in that war games match, that team just wins. <laughs> because I've seen Jay Briscoe almost kill himself five times over in ladder wars and fights without honor. You get Jay Briscoe on your fucking team, you win. Just walk away. Poor ring of honor. It's kind of crazy because like when you think about it, this could potentially be the whole card because war games is always the shortest card of the year. There it always goes be. by the quickest. Yeah, there might not be a fourth match. We might just be looking at the uh, the three matches between these two big matches. I mean, I, 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 it wouldn't surprise me though if there's something yeah. else besides this, though. You know, I mean, look at it like it was like I said, all four NXT champions are in a War Games match. There's no belt on the line tonight. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know, I feel like because of the unpredictability of that fourth member. And the fact that they have two previous War Games matches to do research on, I feel like Chompa's team might be able to take it. Mm. All right. Because uh, it's like experience goes for and against Undisputed Era. So oh, I, it's going to be think, such a violent night, but it's. Oh. I think Undisputed Era is going to take it and they're going to continue their momentum. Uh, the following night, they fight again at Survivor Series, right? Yeah, that's why where we get to so, the Survivor Series poll, it's gonna be a little intriguing. But who who from here? No one from Team Champ is in Survivor Series, right? Yeah, none of them are wrestling that night. Yeah, so based on booking logic, I would need to keep my heels that are going into Survivor Series looking strong the night before Survivor Series because even if the because you can't have them lose to baby faces that aren't going to be at Survivor Series now you just took one of the biggest events of of the year and you basically put these four losers no offense up there against the main roster because if Adam Cole and them get their asses kicked then they're going to go into a defeated to me what will make more sense is for these guys to go over and then if they get pinned, because let's not forget Survivor Series is elimination, then if they get pinned, they can blame it on the fact that they're fatigued from going over the baby faces the night before. And I yeah. think that the real, re- and, and at the end of the day, Ciampa's going to get his heat back, but it's not going to be in a match like this. It's going to be when he wins the world title. Why give Ciampa his heat back on this match, where at the end of it, as cool of a match as it is, all you get is bragging rights to go, yeah, we kicked your asses. You know, no, actually let Adam Cole keep his heat and go into Survivor Series with it. And then, well, that's the thing. Cole's not wrestling a Survivor Series. Oh, he isn't. He's, he's oh, not oh, that's right. He's not on the strong team. O'Reilly and Fisher are going to be competing. But you know what? He'll probably be around to do something. You know what I mean? Like it wouldn't surprise. I would almost say if you're going to have Team Champa go over, it's going to sound weird to word it this way. But you almost have being that he's the only one not competing the next night. Cole almost be the one to take the brunt of the damage that way. Strong and O'Reilly aren't necessarily fresh, but it's fresh enough to where, because let's be real, at this point, the way they're booking themselves into a corner, NXT needs to wipe at fucking uh, Survivor Series. Yeah. But um, you have it where the only one that's not competing that one takes the most damage inside that War Games, because it's not like he goes into the next night with anything to lose. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I think that the Undisputed Era goes over because Ciampa's going to later on uh, win the title and another pay-per-view to look forward to so they, they could yeah. definitely set up that match even with undisputed era winning for sure yeah it just wouldn't be as clean of a setup but yeah they could do it either way 
All right. Yeah. So that's it, guys. Put your votes in again. You could go to talkbrunch.com and you got the two links on the top of the page, the left and right banners of the two pay-per-view logos. Then if you scroll down, you also have them in embedded form. We're right on the site itself without leaving the page. If you choose to, you can just scroll through and vote on it there. And once again, if any more matches are added to anything throughout this pay-per-view weekend, we will update you. You can go back and just vote on those matches. Skip all the other shit. That'll keep your rankings in check. Yeah, War Games returns for another violent night. <laughs> it's always fun watching the War Games pay-per-view as a whole, just because you know that second ring is just sitting there just waiting. Yeah. All right, so I hit send. I put my votes in. Yeah, got mine in, too. Yo, vote for this shit. We need accurate percentages. Yeah, pretty much, right? But it's definitely going to be a night to look forward to. You know, they oh, they sure. they never disappoint at War Games matches. So War Games is virtually my Survivor Series. That's my favorite NXT takeover takeover pay per view, just because it's so unique from all the other ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sure is. All right. Well, since we talked NXT, we are still somewhat doing the the, the Wednesday Night Wars. I guess it's time to talk about some AEW. Starting with AEW Dynamite. No, Dark. AEW Dark. Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> you know, never forget about that. So, uh, what was the first match on that? I believe it was, uh, once again, Big Swall was in oh. here against Hikaru Shida with guest commentator Arn Anderson out there. Finished being Shida going over with the running knee. Uh, match itself was, was, was alright. Shida had a poetry in motion style flying knee strike off of the steel chair onto, um, on the outside, pretty much into the corner that looked good. Um, to be honest, the match was kind of bad. It was very old school. Like, Sheeta isn't really impressing me. The pacing was slow. There was too much striking here. This, they, these matches, these women's matches are coming off like WWE matches. Like, like old school WWE matches. A lot of yeah. striking, a lot of, a lot of doing one spot and then pandering to the crowd and everything. I didn't really like it. Um, and then to make matters worse backstage, Sheeta gives one of the worst promos I've ever heard. It makes Bailey seem like Dusty Rhodes next to this shit. Like I, like there was almost no problem. I felt sorry for the interviewer that was trying to squeeze it out of her like an old ketchup bottle that sat in the sun too long. Really sad shit going on here. Um, so I don't know. I didn't really like any of the stuff. And then Swole go big Swole. At least she brings some unique offense into the match with her overall movements. Um, they're more athletic, you know. Um, the Sheeta kick, the, the, like, like, Sheeta, she does too much of the stuff I've seen decades ago. Strike, strike, hammers to the back, pacing around. Um, I did like that military press into the backbreaker. Um, but after every move she does, she stops to pace around. Like, she wasn't much of a sequence fighter. And I think nowadays that's the kind of stuff that they need. You know, and yeah, thanks for voting, Kula. But yeah, so I wasn't really feeling that. Um, yeah. It, I think it was about this moment where I was just like, you know what? It's, fun and all that they have this women's division like i've always said before when it comes to ally i've always been a fan of ally but it's just there's not enough there yeah like it's they need they need better talent <laughs> like, yeah and she does not good like she does she does promos bad big swall's okay you know this, but you know nothing nothing to write home about in this what was our next match on this thing oh god the next match Jesus Christ, this dark was such a blur to me. <laughs> I think it was a it was a tag team match, I believe. Um it was Nyla Rose and Leva Bates, formerly known as Blue Pants, going up against uh Shalandra Royale and Shayna McKenzie, guest commentator being Chuck Taylor. Um I don't remember the ending sequence specifically, but I know the finish is Nyla pinning both girls <laughs> at the end of it. They just did one of those kind of stupid things. And uh yeah. 
you know, again, just not really uh, feeling too much of the stuff going on here. Leva Bates is pretty much the, the celebrity of the entire thing. Everybody else isn't someone that they that they use that much. Yeah, she's just she's there, but that's about it. <laughs> that's about where it stops. Realistically, would like eat, would like Leva. She's just there most of the time. Like, I'm more entertained when she's doing shenanigans with like Peter Avalon, but that's about it. Yeah, exactly. So, like I said, not ha- having two dark matches on the on AEW Dark that are both women's matches, not the best idea if they want to create some sort of hype here, you know. Like if yeah, it's, been, it's better when they have the board. guys around, honestly. Yeah. Final match was what on this? Oh, some oh, of my, my freaking programs aren't even loading over here. Final match. Yeah. Ah, six-man tag match. Uh, SEMA and SCU, okay, Frank Kazarian, Scorpio Sky, members of the team versus Kip Saban and the Hybrid 2 and Angelico and Jack Evans. Um, I don't remember the ending sequence to this, honestly. You know, same. I, <laughs> this match was... See, I don't know what it is with the dark. This dark did not catch my eyes that bad. Yeah. It was a really weird one. I don't know what happened this week. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, anyway... We move on to uh, AEW Dynamite. And so what was the deal with that? Now, this one kicked off. Uh, they basically made it clear that tonight we were going to hear from uh, John Moxley, which kicked it off. First match of the evening was uh, John Moxley versus Michael Nakazawa. Mm-hmm. But before we even get to ringside, Kenny Omega is backstage and he shares a moment with Riho and Michael Nakazawa where they're basically worried about his condition. And he's like, uh, he's trying to convince them that he's OK. But like he took a beating in the in, in his previous encounter. And then it does lead to Moxley versus Michael Nakazawa, um, with the finish being Moxley going over in, immediately in a squash match. <laughs> immediately. And with, with like he, he what, one shot him with that paradigm shift? Yeah, and then afterward, Moxley's promo reminding the fans that uh, he did what he said he would do to Omega. Basically, it's a promo saying, you know, that he came there and he did what he said he was going to do. And uh, what was after this? It basically this? makes it clear um, anybody who wants to fight him, pretty much in a sense, step up and try to survive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then uh, we were followed by tag team match and the Dark Order versus uh, Marco Stunt and Jungle Boy of the Jurassic Express. Mm-hmm. In advance of this, uh, poor Marco Stunt took the fatality for the win. <laughs> yeah, it was okay. The backbreaker to him, Marco would looked off. Um, and Marco botched the top rope hurricane run and wound up falling off. Yeah, so I was like, you do too much stuffs. You too know. small to be doing all that. Come on now. Back but down, Scooter. I didn't like the match that much, but we do get some sort of stuff that makes after up to it because afterwards, Luchasaurus returns. He does a run and then he beats the hell out of the Dark Order. Fantastic. He went like triple spin kick, like three little putty thingies. Like mm hmm. And uh, he winds up um, basically headbutting them, throwing them around. Um, he hits the three of them with a spinning heel kick. He choke slams Grayson and hits a moonsault. And uh, that's it. There's a reunion of the Jurassic Express. Yeah, they are reunited, and it feels so good. Mm-hmm. And then uh, afterwards, the next match we get is Sean Spears against uh, Peter Avalon against Darby Allen. With the finish being yep, Darby Allen. Goes, mm-hmm, and Darby Allen goes over Peter Avalon with the coffin drop. And uh, I have to say, Darby Allen is extremely impressive, the way he moves, how high he jumps. Um, You know, just he's definitely entertaining to watch, as always. And Joey Janela, um, during the match, winds up attacking Sean Spears, and this winds up bleeding into the crowd, making him more of a one-on-one, you know. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. I, I, I like the fact that, like, they're showing that 
Darby can wrestle those hardcore matches, but he can also go just straight up when he needs to. Yeah, that I do. Just when he's multi-dimensional. Yeah, no, they do wonders with this guy's character. He is definitely yeah. impressive to watch, and uh, you know, and even course, for a smaller person, he uh, yeah. And then Dar- uh, Darby's night wasn't over because Darby basically made it clear, Moxley, I accept. So this Wednesday we're gonna get John Moxley and Darby Allen. Yeah, and I wanted to show you guys here. This is a uh, this is Darby Allen working out at a freaking skate park. This is not a shoot, ladies and gentlemen. The man skates. Well, this is a shoot. I mean, what am I talking about? <laughs> yeah, like how crazy is that? That where he where he works out is at a skate park. You know. Like, <laughs> you know so I love the caption: "Gym or skate park or both." Yeah. Oh, I downloaded that. I'm gonna have to give me a minute to uh to get it back. I don't know what the hell's going on. Come on, Darby, Do don't screw me over. We just put you over, Darby. Yeah, don't yeah. let your Twitter fuck it up for you. Yeah, yeah. Don't screw up, please. Yeah. I'll get it up in a couple minutes, guys. Sorry about that. But I mean, yeah, that's going to be the only thing we don't know and they haven't made it clear yet. Is this going to be some kind of like a street fight or anything or is this going to be a straight up match? So far, we've just heard that they're just going to battle next week or this coming week. I'd like to see it be some sort of like have some sort of specialty. I guess you don't want to run that too dry. Yeah, it's good to mix it up every now and then. I mean, they already do a good job with the lights out matches in the sense that um, they show up semi-frequently, but it's only because the situation calls for it. They don't just throw them out there just to throw them out there. Yeah, exactly. But again, this this guy, like, he, he's a very gimmicky wrestler, as good as he is. So it's like they don't want to uh, waste something like that on here. Yeah, but then again, the way it seems like they're going with this Moxley angle where it seems like he's talking in the sense of like, all right, you want to put me in this corner. I'm going to put myself in this corner, but anybody who comes in is not coming back out. Like he's, he's giving this impression as if he's willing to run down this whole roster. If he has to, until there's basically nobody left. All right. We got this thing up here. Now let's take a look. At the hell. So high up. That's it. It's just eight seconds, but yeah, look at him. Yo, he he slips and clack, clack, clack both his hands. Yeah, that's a little crazy. It's not necessary to. Uh, <laughs> that's fucking unnecessary, man. <laughs> what else can I say? He's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> He's nuts, and I love it. But it's like, good lord. Yeah, a little bit too nuts. Oh yeah, he lives the gimmick. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, but then uh, next, <laughs> goody goody. We had women's action. Uh, newcomer Danny Jordan against the native beast Nyla Rose, and finished with this. Nyla hits her beast bomb, and another one bites the dust. I'm not a fan. You know, I just don't uh-huh. like the. I don't, I don't. I don't know. It's, and there's too many beasts. Like Kong is part of this company, and she makes a better beast. Right, she's the convincing beast. She's like shoot beast. Like, yeah. Nyla Rose just looks pissed off and hungry all the time. Like, stop it. Like, yeah, no, it's definitely, um, I don't know. I don't, like I said, I can't, I, I'm being so hard on the women's division, but I honestly feel like it's a blemish on the face of AEW right now. There's nothing yeah. on there that I like. There's not, it's like not even really passable. The, the, I mean, at the end of the day, obviously we didn't tune into this and become fans of this for them. We tuned in for the guys we've been following from New Japan and Ring of Honor, the elite guys. It's just a very dangerous point that they're in because at the end of the day, there's not much besides them that is must watch stuff. 
Exactly. They need to like grab people with stuff that you didn't necessarily come here to watch. Right. And that's definitely not what's happening right now. You know, like nobody, no one's watching, um, for that stuff. No one talks about those matches too much. But like I said before, AEW is also at that point where their, their fan base, which we're part of it, but I mean, just their mainstream demographic fan base, they're popping for everything. Like no matter, it's like because it's AEW, it's just cool to pop for whatever, uh, is happening currently. You know? Exactly. Yeah, but I mean, after the match, of course, Tony Giovanni, uh, Tony Giovanni interviewed Ali, and Ali basically let her know how she was feeling about everything. And then uh, Awesome Kong and Brandy Rose once again showed up, and Awesome Kong with that uh, that god awful spinning back fist. And then they do the same thing again, cut off a lock of uh, Ali's hair, and then dip. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know. This is just kind of weird for me, you know. Like, what is the what is the point of this? You know. It's it's odd, just really really odd. Yeah, and 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 Awesome Kong's spinning back fist was ugly. That thing looks more and more unconvincing every time she does it. She looks like she's being very careful not to try to hurt the person, which is nice. Except it's ugly since it's supposed to be a knockout blow, and you cut her hair. It has to be a better way mm-hmm. to go into that, which we're not seeing there. Like, like I, I would rather just take the hit. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. just give give me a sign it's coming so I can just grip my teeth. Something like. Give everybody, give all the girls a mouth guard, just something to avoid this ugly ass spinning back fist. Mm-hmm, exactly. So uh, after this, we have uh, words from the champion. Mm-hmm, pretty much. Um, yeah, uh, Jericho comes out, and um, but before he starts to speak, Cody's music hits, but it's not Cody. It, uh, MJF appears and just gets a sea of booze, like. The man has like mega heat right now, and it's wonderful. But uh, he just starts to kind of promo talking about how Cody didn't care about him. Yeah, he basically saying that he betrayed his former friend because I mean, in a sense, he was just like, "I'm better than you, and you know it." Yeah, well, he also said about how he felt that Cody wanted to put him under his thumb, and uh, then he starts calling himself the new face of AEW, and uh, him and Jericho sort of have like somewhat of a standoff where MJF asks him if he wants them, if he wants Jericho to join his inner circle jerk and it goes back and forth, um, where the two of them are sort of half of- offending each other. But then it turns out to just all be a game. They sort of pull an NWO, you know, the way the NWO used to do shit like that. They get in the ring, they'd fight and ah, we hug. It was all the thought of being big we're jerks. That's what happened. It was all a trick. And I guess this is officially him announcing that he is a member of the inner circle and, uh, the celebration is very short-lived because Cody winds up charging the ring and uh, Jericho goes for the belt swipe, but Cody, anticipating it, ducks underneath and goes straight for MJF and he fucks him up in the corner. Then he goes for Jericho and uh, this is interrupted by Wardlow's debut. He winds up managing to get his hands on Cody and he hits him with the burning hammer. I don't know what he, he knows it as, but I know that move is the burning hammer, essentially. And uh, then this leads to him choking Cody with his own tie. And he almost essentially hangs him over the ropes. Yeah, that was whew, that was rough. Yeah, yeah, definitely good, good sequence. And I don't really know too much about the Wardlow guy. People were excited to see him, though, right? They were like, "Look, it's Wardlow!" Yeah. Whoa! I, I I know absolutely nothing about this guy. I've never seen him before. Yeah, Wardlow, what a relief, man! Wardlow's <laughs> finally Dallas, here. What? I mean, he looks like Wardlow right, out here. And of course, now we're going to get some tweet or someone in the comments that's going to explain. I mean, I appreciate it, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know too much of the guy from uh, beyond here. I don't have time for all the indie wrestling anymore. Right. <laughs> no. 
All right, what happens after these? Oh, we got Hangman Pac 3. Mm-hmm. Finish being Black Arrow into the Brutalizer. And once again, Hangman passes out. Mm-hmm. Hangman. I was kind of surprised to get uh, to see Pac basically get the nub in this one. Like I thought Hangman was going to get the, that second win. Yeah, and Hangman winds up hitting that nasty brain buster on Pac on the outside, dude. Ooh, that looked horrible. Like, that was one of those ones where, like, you cringe and you think somebody, like, legit got hurt. Yeah, pretty crazy. And, uh, yeah, we have Adam Page, who's on somewhat of a losing streak, I must admit. Yeah, like, he hasn't been the same since the Jericho match. You know, he was, it's weird because he was so over as that, as this Adam Page cowboy character that I didn't think that they would want to kill his momentum the way that they've so visibly done. But yeah, unfortunately, it doesn't look like a, I don't know. It doesn't look like this is going to work out for him the way that it, it at one point looked like it was going to. I mean, it's from the way they've been kind of portrayed it, it seems like in storyline, he still hasn't quite, quite gotten over, um, the loss to Jericho. Because he's been, he's had some moments here and there since that match, but he's been kind of struggling. They might, he was riding, he was riding quite away from momentum before that match. They might just be planning some sort of a reemergence of him or some sort of a gimmick change or, uh, just something that's going to just change the, um, the way that he works. Because yeah, and I think unfortunately, as good as Omega was, he might be in, in store for the same thing because man, talk about a non-threat from a guy who had what was considered arguably one of the best matches of all time against Akata. He's become somebody pretty beatable. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a, he's got an almost even win loss. Both of them right now have almost even win loss records in uh, AEW. Why would a guy like Omega have an even win loss? And I get it. It seems to me like Cody, the Bucks and Omega and Paige don't want to put themselves in the spotlight or put themselves over too much. But this is the extreme opposite when you're looking at it. You know, their world champion, or not their world champion, but the top guy of the elite, Cody, he can never, uh, he can never be in a, a, um, a title match again. You got Omega who's losing left and right. You got Adam Page who's losing. The Bucks got beat in the first round of the tag team championship tournament. Like, what the hell's going on here? Like, literally, all of the elite it, guys are jobbing out. Anybody it almost seems like. They're giving, they're making it clear, like, this is not just some place where it's like, yeah, we're the best. We're like, we're, we've been the best for a long time. But it's like, I, I've all, especially when it comes to things with the Bucks, with Omega, with Paige, they seem to really truly give off that feeling. That it's like, hey, there's always going to be somebody better out there. And in this case, some of the better ones are starting to roll around in AEW. Yeah, I guess, but uh, it's just not the way that you do it. This is like if you went to see the Avengers movie and then they all died and didn't come back. <laughs> you know, it's just like... I love that, that caveat and didn't come back. <laughs> yeah, it's just, but like yeah, I said, it's... it looks like they're going in a different direction, which they got to be careful about doing that so soon because they, they, you don't want them to forget, forget about the fact that this is what the people are here for. Exactly. Like, you I know? mean, I could definitely see the elite slowly making a comeback. But you have guys out there like, like a John Moxley who, with all this pent up frustration he's had over the years, you could see him almost trying to kill off Omega. You have proud and powerful getting basically unleashed on this tag team division. A lot mm-hmm. of new faces we've seen, so it almost seems as a thing where it's the unknown that's becoming the elite's uh, biggest enemy. The guys they've never fought before, the guys they've never gotten to see much of. So it seems like the ones that they're the least familiar with are the ones who are getting the biggest advantage because we don't really necessarily know what they can do. 
Like private party for me at least came out of nowhere. So <laughs> I'm sitting there wondering where this team's been the whole time. They basically wound up taking out the Bucks in round one because nobody saw it coming. But it looks like that's the end of Adam Page's run uh with the elite because if you looked at the latest being the elite the ending it looked like they sort of changed it It looked like they sort of ended that could just be me oh you all right buddy no (sighs) kenny yeah are you all right i mean as good as i can be you know whatever let's let's be honest here yeah ever since we started aew you haven't been the same guy you just you're not the you're not the same Kenny Omega from from back in Japan. You, you just listen. Did this did this match with Mox? Did you finally get this thing out of your system? Are you can you come back to being the old Kenny Omega that we we started this whole venture with? Like I miss you, man. Like I can I can you don't understand, man. I can I can beat him, and I can prove to everyone that I can beat him. I can beat him at his own game. I'm not. I can. I got one week off and I can come back next week and I can I can do this. I can I'm let it go, Kenny. I'm not asking you about him, I'm asking about you. Alright. I've got a belt. I've got uh, there's things I can do. I just I just gotta find it, you know. Just gotta I'll be okay I'll be okay. Just gotta just gotta find it, whatever it is. Whatever it is, I gotta do. Doesn't even make sense. Just take care of yourself, guys. Where are you Never going? Need me. Nah. Nah. <coughs> yeah, I um, want to talk to you guys too. I lost tonight. I um, I can't keep being the least successful member of the elite. Oh. You know? No, it's true. It's always been no. It's always been true. You know it, Duh. You know it. You both know it. That's always how. No, that's always how it's been. That's always how it's been. I've lost to Jericho. I've lost to Pat. That is always how it's been. I have been the least successful member of this group the entire time, and I can't do it anymore. You can't do what anymore? I can't do this. You can't, guys. I'm sorry, guys. You can't do this. We're still cool. I just. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna ride alone for a while. Okay, guys? Because you're losing. No, hang on. Yes. You know, sorry, guys. That, is that, so that's it? No, yeah. So that. <laughs> you, what the hell? What the hell is that all about? Good God, huh? What's going on around here? This is supposed to be fun. Yeah, it uh, 
there, there's definitely uh, trouble in the elite, that's for sure. Yeah, so it looks like um, Adam Page, if we're to go by the being the elite, looks like he's out of it now. Yeah, he might be trying to break out on his own. It almost seems like the pressure of being in the elite starting to get to him. Yeah, I don't like that. You know, I didn't agree with them leaving the Bullet Club. I thought that was still a cool act that had a long way to go. And now it looks like they're already prematurely cutting this off and turning it into something else, you know? But, um, yeah, but then again, we never know where it's going to go with these guys someday. Yeah, so. It could still be cool. You know, I mean, the fact that it is a storyline of them all sort of losing their heat could just be to have like some sort of an awesome comeback. You know, I'd like to think that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we are hearing that uh, they are going to be sincere to this win loss record thing they're going to have career records but they're going to reset everyone's scores when the new year rolls around so um they're going to have the career record that's always going to exist but there's going to be annual season records so the season's going to start in january and then last for the entire year so you're going to be virtually like a real sports team right right so that's the plan of how they're going to be doing it as far as the cody thing goes at least this is what we're hearing we spoke on here a couple weeks ago about how this might be a storyline for cody to do the mjf thing and maybe they leave it open um you know but we're hearing that that's actually not what's going to happen at all and that the reality is that he's not going to get a world title match and that's simply the end of cody being in the world title scene and that uh they made that harsh stipulation, according to the Wrestling Observer, as a way to prove to people that they're serious about when they add stipulations to matches. They're serious about the consequences. So this Cody thing is not actually just some sort of a bigger storyline with a comeback at the end of it. They're actually claiming that this is just them introducing their fan base to when we do a stipulation to something, we want you guys to see that that's the way that it's going to be. And that's all that. They want to teach people that stipulations matter no matter what. So, I mean, that could mean that it's going to be a very long time before you see Cody in the world title scene. I still find it hard to believe that it would be never, but that's what they're saying. Yeah, I mean, we, we've seen it a million times in the WWE where it's like, oh, this team will never team again, then they team again, then they'll never team again, then they team again. I like the fact that it's like we say something's going to happen. That's the way it's going to be. You really, there's no, there's going to be no wait for us to go back on a word. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, Co- I mean, Cody not being in the world championship picture, I mean, it would suck and all, but if you're going to do that, you're putting forth the message you need to put. And that's that a stipulation is a stipulation, not just a temporary storyline buff. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what happened next in AEW? We had, uh, yeah, uh, pretty much a little backstage, uh, Tussa yep, between, uh, Fighting the Bucks, right? Yeah, this uh was pretty much a inner circle ass whooping. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or San Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that could be the title. But uh Santana Ortiz, they beat the shit out of Mac with a uh, Mac with a sock full of baseballs. Jesus. Yeah. And, and then uh, they went off on a Yeah, and that's <laughs> the reason why we had that little being the elite we just watched where everybody looked beat up because they all got their comeuppance. Like every well, being the elite, they didn't look very elite at the end of all of this. Like all of no, the Jericho, all of the Jericho stable whipped everybody's asses all over. They the got place. the elite beat out of them. You know, they 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 literally knocked one of their guys permanently out of the title scene and then beat the fuck out of the rest of them. So, you know, just it's a rough night. Yeah, I, th- I think my favorite part of this whole thing though was uh when when the rest of the inner circle came out and they got that spray can and they drew the white circle on the on the part of the stage and then they power bombed Matt through it and I was like what is this target practice like yeah everybody everybody came out of it really rough 
You know, yeah, that's, Bra- that's Brandon crazy. Cutler tried to come out and help. That didn't work. But uh, stay after they were celebrating, private parties showed up, and everybody pretty much dipped out from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like what they're doing with Santana and Ortiz. Like they're they're more vicious than they were in, in LAX. Like I mean, they they hit a human being with a sock full of baseballs. Like that's next level, yeah. right? There. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. So uh, yeah. what was after this? We got uh, last but not least, main event of the evening: AEW Tag Team Champions, their first title defense: SCU versus the Inner Circles, Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara. Yeah, with SoCal Uncensored, thankfully, retaining those titles too soon to be playing hot potato with titles here, too. Uh, um, yeah, I, I figured there was no way Air Circle was winning this one. Yeah, um, Jericho goes for a lion salt, um, but Scorpio Sky winds up getting his knees up, so it looked like he was going to go over there. But unfortunately, when he goes for a cutter, Jericho catches him out of it and counters that into the code breaker. Um, but basically, that doesn't happen. And then uh, Scorpio winds up just rolling up Jericho instead, going over. So, uh, and then Jericho, I believe, is this his first loss ever in, in, in AEW? Yep. This was the very first time Chris Jericho's ever been pinned. So that explains it because he loses his shit old school Jericho style. Like he throws a tantrum oh, boy, he grabs chairs, he's pounding on shit. He went off. I think they went off the air with him hot, right? Yeah. Yeah. You he see went off I mean? the air raging. You know, so they get a little bit, you know, th- there was something, I guess, you know, not even the elite get their heat back, but the SCU guys at least got them at the end. You know, they didn't yeah, get all I the mean, titles, you know, the way they've been treated on uh, being the elite. They're almost like a little bit of a branch of them. Yeah. Almost yeah. like an off branch. Yeah. It's interesting. I like the uh, this is a cool story, you know, like uh, yeah. I, I like the idea of these of these guys feuding. You see what I mean? Like how it's a good feud. You're going to always remember. Who was on both sides of this feud? Nobody just feels like they were just penciled in, like with stables that we're seeing in other companies. It just kind of feels like this is a feud where everyone has like a place and they all have unique personalities. You know, it's, it, that's the way it's supposed to be. It's like this, this, it should always feel like the, the X-Men versus the Brotherhood of Mutants. You know? Exactly. It, it, it should never feel like the, the green toy soldiers versus the blue toy soldiers, which is what. <laughs> what raw feels like sometimes you know it's just like you could put whoever you know it's like this should be chess it shouldn't be checkers they they all shouldn't be either red or black circles or pegs whatever you know they should be different things that make it unique and i get that when i look at the inner circle and the elite they're all different guys that we know stuff about with personalities that all clash and you know there's history there and it's like i like that i like that and i'm not taking anything away from uh WWE, I, I feel right now people bitching about it. I'm enjoying everything that they're doing because they are doing similar things. Yeah, they, they, they've stepped up their game since everything started. Yeah. But you, you can't deny that. Yeah, so that was AEW. That is the Wednesday Night Wars in a nutshell. Figured we would get those out of the way later in the night. We're still going to have to go over Raw. I know everybody's dying to hear about that. <laughs> you know, but... uh. At least we're done with the NXT stuff. We got still Raw and SmackDown. And, uh, we still have that poll coming up, guys. Don't forget the big poll comes up after, after the Raw review. We're going to do the Survivor Series, uh, card. And just like the previous one, if any more matches are added from now until, uh, the actual pay-per-view, check the poll back and just go back and answer the ones that you didn't get to before. I'll update you when it's updated. And, uh, yeah, I guess we should get into a little bit more news here if there's anything relevant, which there actually is some relevant stuff. I always like to talk about the numbers. The numbers are important. We didn't used to do that until this became a war, but now we need to talk about it just a little bit. Um, that being said, AEW full gear, 
uh, or being it's being reported that they did around a hundred thousand pay per view buys, which isn't considered to be good, um, because it's about what they did at All Out, you know. So, uh, you know, it's it's not great numbers. It's not terrible, but it's not great numbers. Yeah, it so. stayed a little bit. It stayed consistent, but it wasn't like a jump. That's been my concern with the pay per view um, practice, though. You know, because at the end of the day, it's hard to compete no matter how good your product is against people who are practically giving away wrestling nine ninety nine a month. And you can watch the WWE, all their shows, more wrestling than you can count. And yeah, it may not be the AEW guys, but it's just hard to swallow when it's $60 for a pay-per-view, even if it's every four months. Like if Nathan's Franks costed like $18 versus the regular key food store brand of $4, no one would buy Nathan's. You might splurge every now and then for some Nathan's. But I mean, it would have to be your anniversary or some shit at that point. When it's eight, <laughs> when it's eighteen dollars for a, <laughs> it's just a funny metaphor, right? <laughs> I can just see that being fucking anniversary. Where are we going, babe? We going to Nathan's. <laughs> Write it down. We going to Nathan's. <laughs> but that's the point, like. AEW shouldn't feel like we going to Nathan's, you know, it's kind of like, these are the high class Franks. These are the upper class hot dogs. Oh, like, shit. and people will go to Nathan's and, and they'll do it acknowledging that these are more expensive. But if you've had Nathan's before, which as a New Yorker, someone who frequents Coney Island, you know that I have, they're definitely better hot dogs. And if you actually read the uh, ingredients, you know, there's less carbs and sugar in them. It's actually healthier for you. If you're going to have hot dogs, which aren't really healthy, Nathan's is the healthiest. So it's not just literally the most flavorsome, it's the healthiest. So you know what you're getting. But oh, if it shit. was $25 for a pack of Nathan's, I know I made it a little high. I just wanted to round it out there versus like the $6, which they are not even $6, man. Hot dogs are so cheap. You could probably get a $2.99 store bought key food wrap. You'd probably not get Nathan's all the time. You might not even ever get Nathan's. There may never be an occasion where you're in a good enough mood or love your wife and your anniversary enough that Nathan's is on the menu at $25. So now I'm looking at that, and that's sort of where AEW is. They're the Nathans of WWE right now. Even if you think they're what's best for you, they're the most flavorsome, they have the best shit out there, you're paying a lot of money occasionally for something that you can get regularly cheaper. So then it becomes a matter of cash value. So at this point, that's the problem. WWE, even at their worst, they're just a key food store brand of hot dogs that you're always willing to tolerate. They're the cup of noodle. They could be your ramen noodles. When all else fails and you're broke for the week, WWE's your ramen noodles. By the way, you guys know I'm not a carb guy, so don't eat that shit. I'm not saying have ramen noodles when it's broke. If you're broke, fast, motherfucker, until your next check. But I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> eat, you know, I'm just saying they're the ramen noodles, you know. They're always going to be available when you can't have the Nathan's hot dogs that in my universe cost $25. So hopefully that helped you understand a little bit more why I'm worried about the AEW uh, oh, numbers shit. as far as the pay-per-views go. You know, yeah, I put that all together on the fly. None of this was planned. I don't know why That's I did it. Magical. I don't know if I regret it or not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when, I, when I look at it the way that they said they're only going to do four pay-per-views within a year, the strategy I think they need to go into it with, if you're going to do it the way they're doing it, you got that. They, they literally have so much time to where they can sell people on these pay-per-views. Like yeah. you have months on end of weeklies 
to where you got to show these people why, hey, you give us that 60 bucks for our pay-per-view, we're going to make sure we make it worth your while. And what's up, Shane? Shane's saying that he'd be down for pre-ordering AEW pay-per-views, like for, for a bundle, you get three pay-per-views for 40. That sounds more practical, or them just splitting yeah. up the prices, lowering the prices a little bit, you know? And now as far as you saying that they have months and months of showing uh, you stuff on the weekly show to make you go, you know what, I'm going to buy this pay-per-view, this seasonal pay-per-view. Getting back to my metaphor again, which I didn't think we were going to be done. I thought we'd be done visiting <laughs> it at this point, you know? There are some people in this world that I could show the best Nathan's commercials all year long. And they're still not going to get those $25 packs for Christmas. You know, it's like, it's just, there's still the pricing. It doesn't matter how good the AEW shows are. For for today's society, people younger than us, it's going to be impossible for them to rationalize spending $60 on a thing that you watch once and it's over. Like, think about people who are just now getting old enough to be part of technology and pop culture that have the Disney, the, the, the new Disney Plus network or Netflix or Hulu or UFC Fight Pass or even the WWE network or, or Sling or there's a million services or Game Pass. How the hell are you going to rationalize to someone who grew up in that culture that you're going to give, they're going to give this company $60 and they're going to get to watch this thing once and then go away. It almost does. It sounds weird to me. Someone who lived in that culture. Yeah. It's just a, it's an archaic paywall and it's just not what people are going for nowadays you know iPay-per-view is probably the smarter way to go and I know they want to be mainstream but the iPay-per-views where you can get them like 15 20 bucks on uh, on those those channels those were the ways that a lot of uh, Ring of Honor even you know had, had been a lot of their pay-per-views and maybe do one major one on a show but I just think that that's the reason why those numbers aren't going to be good you know now that being said that's when people have to pay if we're going to talk about this week in regards to people having to show up, according to Showbuzz Daily, they're saying AEW's Dynamite show pulled in 957,000 viewers. And uh that's up from last week's 822,000 viewers. So once again, the ratings to AEW have risen with NXT bringing 750,000 viewers. And they said that when everything was said and done, USA's WWE NXT dropped from an 0.05 to an 0.25 last week. Okay, so uh basically... AEW's winning and they, they kind of widened the gap a little bit between them and AEW a bit and between them and NXT rather because NXT sort of seemed like they were closing in on them. Now the wrestling observer is saying that, uh, basically when AEW shows over, NXT gets a big bump in ratings between a hundred thousand and two hundred thousand viewers because let's not forget NXT never goes off the air exactly. They do an overrun. They don't go off exactly yeah. two hours. They use the infamous overrun that they no longer use on Raw and SmackDown is, is ever so present on NXT. So when once AEW has that clean stop time of two hours, AEW is still going on. I mean, NXT is still going on and they're usually doing something big at the end. That's probably why a lot yeah. of these NXTs have been ending with these crazy brawls where like almost the entire roster is in the ring and everything's, everything's chaos because they realize that AEW is going off the air. So AEW beat them in overall ratings, but once it's over, they jump over to the WWE network or to, or rather to USA at 10 PM. Yeah. So they say that, uh, 50,000 teenagers, um, women 18 to 34, 18,000 women, 35 to 49, 48,000 men, 18 to 34, 48,000 men, 35 to 49, 89,000 over 50 all just jumped over into that channel. So, uh, 
I mean, the overrun's not a bad strategy. That's the thing. Like, yeah, and not only that, but we're also hearing that uh, the USA Network NXT had a spike in viewership whenever AEW cut to commercial. NXT's viewership would spike. I mean, people jumping back and forth on channels. They're watching AEW primarily, but in those commercials, they're jumping. But on the flip side of things, AEW didn't see any kind of spike when NXT would go to commercial. That basically means that uh that that AEW fans are invested in NXT, but um WWE fans um aren't tuning into AEW at the same time. Interesting. So, yeah, it's complicated. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like trying to process it through my head. Like it's complicated the way it's going. Like on one side, people are kind of are mainly watching one and kind of glancing over to the other, and then on the other side, they're primarily watching that one and basically not even paying attention to the other thing. Yeah, which could be because they're planning on watching the opposite one on replay. Yeah, that could be the case. I mean, since this started, I watch AEW live and i watch nxt and replay i haven't committed to anything so far my yeah. commitment is AEW, and i don't see it changing for the foreseeable future even if nxt became better just because it's a palate cleanser for me by wednesday if i'm going to watch wrestling for not it not to be wwe again so i kind of yeah. prefer to watch nxt at my own point sometime later in the week or maybe the following day whatever but uh AEW, i think i keep there mainly because it's a palate cleanser and i think that might be something that's going to make a lot of wrestling fans uh deal with that instead i mean even in cases where if i unfortunately have to work on a wednesday when i'm catching both on replay i'm knocking out AEW first because that's the one i'm more invested in on the wednesday nights yeah exactly and uh as far as the raw ratings went uh Basically, I think people have started just turning it off, to be honest with you. And I don't even mean that like in a joking way. I think that based on what we're looking at, their hourly ratings, it looks like by the time people have two hours of raw, they don't, they're done. They don't really give a shit at all because, uh, in the first hour, they had 2,358,000 people watching. By the second hour, they only had 2,063,000 people. Then by the third hour, they had 1,698,000. So if you start with 2,358,000 and by the third hour, 1,698,000, that is one hell of a drop. So people That's... are pretty much just leaving. I mean, it's still a big number. I mean, it's a big TV show, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, they, uh, they went really low. They went below 2 million. They went to a, about a million and a half. They started at almost 2 million and a half just to put it into perspective. And by the end of the night, they were down to a million and a half. That's a big drop. A million viewers just... Bye. Yeah, gonna I go mean, and the sad part is, unfortunately, they're doing it to themselves. They're burning out their fan base with these shit angles on they top lo- of the fact that we have set to it for three hours. They lost about 300,000 viewers every hour. Yeah, so... Uh, and that's with them running against nothing. <laughs> Well, apparently the NFL, there was an NFL game on that went into overtime. Oh, yeah, that's right. That was a thing. Yeah, yeah you know, they're always going to say that that has something to do with it. But, uh, yeah. yeah, they, they, uh, they, people all just untuned from this thing, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, they're doing it and, themselves. And that's the bad this, part. Like, you can't even, I don't care how good the NFL is, you can't blame them anymore. Like, you guys are doing it to yourselves. And I know I heard the story of them being pre-taped. Oh, because they're pre-taped. But it's like, you know what, man? A lot of people don't tune on to Raw, watch the the intro and then see the pyro go off and think, 
is this taped? Like, you're not even going to know unless you're doing what we're doing. You're not really even going to know just offhand before you tune into Raw that it's pre-taped. Do they think that the people, the casual demographic, which is their main demographic that tunes in every Monday on the USA Network, remembers that they're going to be in the UK or that because they're in the UK, they're taped? There are people who have watched TNA their entire lives that never knew they were taped. Because if, Dude, you're just, when I, if you're just on Spike TV and watching it, there's no indication this is taped. They don't treat it tapes. So, I mean, for me to think that their ratings drop because people want ah, it's taped this week. I don't think anybody cares if it's taped or, or is even looking. I'm someone who I'm aware of that. And sometimes when the UK ones come on, I'll forget midway through. Oh, that's right. This is this is already in the can because we're in the UK. It's no one's thinking about that all the time to de- determine the ratings. The, the first time I ever figured out that SmackDown was taped. It was when uh, Kali won the world championship. And I was just like browsing around through the internet. I was like, did Kali win on a house show? What the fuck? I watched the next match and he won the championship. And I was like, oh, they taped that ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, you know. But that being said, I just think Raw had a ratings dip for several reasons. Yeah, they could blame the NFL. That definitely had something to do with it. But it, but it is a big drop. It's because it's three hours. Number one is because three hours is too long every week to be three hours. If you're going to have a whole week of wrestling, your Raw needs to come down an hour. It's no longer do you think that Raw should be? No, your Raw needs to come down an hour, period. You have wrestling on Mondays. You have your stupid sideshow that we're going to get into with CM Punk on Tuesdays. You got the the Wednesday Night Wars. You know, thank God I don't watch Impact because they're back on Thursdays, which is where they usually land at the end of everything. NXT UK as well on Thursday. And the NXT UK is on Thursday. So even WWE can't even let them have that. And then on Fridays, we're back to SmackDown with 205 Live. And this week, you get NXT TakeOver. So you don't even get that break on Saturday, followed by the pay-per-view on Sunday, back to Raw on Monday. You're allergic to eight straight days of wrestling. I don't think that it's unreasonable for me to say for you to shave off that fucking third hour on Monday. At this point, what are you going to do? Like, eventually you're going to just inject wrestling into people's dreams. Like, how far are we are going to take this? You know, I think that that's the reason you're seeing that drop off because people are getting home as it is. It's a Monday. It's a miracle. You're getting people at eight at night to tune into this shit that you're not putting much effort into. And I think by 10, they're done. So it's one thing to go for a shit angle, do like shit angles for two hours but then you expect me to endure this third hour where you recap and remind me that the shit angle happens. Yeah. Like you can't, you can't just give somebody crap for that long and expect them to stay around. And that's exactly what they do. That's their problem. Like yeah. everybody says, like, oh, it's hard to write week after week after week. Well, if they were doing three hour shows every week, it wouldn't have a problem. But also, if they were putting the effort in, it wouldn't be a problem. Yeah, exactly. If we can entertain you guys week after week for four hours at a time, I'm pretty sure they could do it for three. The problem is they only ever try to do it for one. Mm-hmm. So, uh, basically, SmackDown ratings uh, bought 2.725 million viewers for the first hour, and they went down about 300, which is a pretty big dip also there. So, um, yeah, I don't know. They, they, they also... Uh, there's a little bit of a drop there. Yeah, I'm reading these. I'm trying to just calculate this in my head. Sorry if I'm... Wow. Yeah, I don't know what the hell's going on with them. It's like everybody but AEW dipped. Once that once NXT kind of crept in a little bit closer, AEW slammed on the gas. Yeah, so they're dropping a little bit here. And that being said, the excuse for the Raw ratings being dropped was because of the fact that it was a taped show. Well, this SmackDown, that past SmackDown was taped that did better than the live one that just passed. Exactly. 
So I don't know. Is it the reverse now? Is it because they were, you know what I mean? It does, it's like the logic doesn't work consistently. The only thing that I know is that people seem to have their fill of wrestling long before wrestling goes off the air. Exactly. I mean, I think we, we talked about it in the chat room. It might have been during SmackDown kind of behind on NXT UK. And it's just that by that point in the week, unfortunately for them, I told myself I'm going to catch, I'm going to catch up on it probably some, maybe tomorrow, but it's just when it gets to Thursday, like I need a break. <laughs> like Thursday, I got to take a day where I'm like, all right, wrestling does not exist. Yeah. And for anyone that was wondering what you probably weren't, that's the reason why when we go through these cards, we don't go into as much detail as we used to. If you looked at our early episodes, we almost used to go spot for spot. We used to talk about the sequences and the matches, the different transitions and the different, the different tones of the match down to the finish. Everything. Sometimes we would go through an entire pay-per-view, almost move for move and just talk about our opinion of the move. It's like, you just can't do it in this new, this new terrain. I don't think there's a place for, uh, anything. I think if you're that invested in the match to be seeing it to that level, you should be watching it. You know, I don't think that there's enough time in this new found landscape of wrestling to have those kind of shows. And there are a lot of shows out there that still do that. They'll have their regular podcast, but then on top of it, they're so fucking wrestling hungry that they can do a two hour podcast and then go back just to talk about specifically spot for spot for each thing. Amen to them, man. But I just don't think that that's necessary. And I, I've told you guys before, I don't want to do what everybody else is doing. Uh, which I feel like everyone has the same formula for reviewing these shows. You should not be reviewing, reciting wrestling to people spot for spot. Go over the week in wrestling, give a general idea, and then you give people the uh, the objective choice based on if they trust your opinion enough of what they're going to pick out of, handpick out of what you uh, went over and, and watch. Well, they should check out what they shouldn't. Yeah. But it, the whole thing of the, it, it, the spot for spot is like, that's the reason. There's too much wrestling. Like, what are you going to do? I'm supposed to believe that you're going to watch all of that wrestling and then listen to this three to four hour podcast about us talking about it? Come on. It, it, it would literally be like if you, if you gave somebody a review on why they should get Gears 5 and we literally went through every single thing that happened, every single act of every single chapter. Right. Like, for, there, there's no point in them to play the game. Just like if we gave you spot for spot, move for move, blink for blink, what's the point of you even watching the show? Yeah. And I think that's boring at this point. This has to be yeah. something that's just about us going over the week. And I think that's more casual and a cooler thing. I never really addressed why our, our change in format came, but we go over about four times as much wrestling as we did even a year ago. And uh, just not we, room for it anymore. And we do it in a shorter amount of time. <laughs> so, you know, that, that we, we had to sort of confine everything ourselves. You got to adjust with the, uh, with the landscape here. But the point being, that's a lot of fucking wrestling. And that's the reason why they're seeing a ratings dip. That's the reason all the podcasts across the map, even the biggest to the smallest like us, we're all seeing uh, viewership dips because it's just, there's so much to cover. How do you cover it all? Where do you cover it's it all? It's hard to do. <laughs> you <laughs> always got to pick your spots. Like, you know, a lot of the other shows that you guys listen to and other wrestling podcasts and stuff, the, the one advantage they have over us is that that's their thing. They, they live and breathe by wrestling, which I totally respect that, man. And I've been in that zone before, but you guys know that we do all kinds of shit here. We're doing the game streaming. Uh, we go over movies and anime, not as much as we used to. We're trying to put some comic stuff back on the air. So, I mean, there's always, um, ideas and other things going on that involve more geared toward pop culture. That's why we're, uh, you know, talk brunch and not wrestle brunch, <laughs> you know, but that being said, when you think about being able to take in this amount of wrestling per week and then still have a life, I think they can trim off that last hour of raw. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think they could just trim the shit off. No one's going to miss it. No one's going to be like, ah, right. or already. Have, when's the last time you've watched raw and it's gone off to you've been like, man, already. No, I'm sitting there like a, I, I was still here. <laughs> 
haven't done I, it already I, I in forever. I looked at the time mm-hmm. and sat there and thought to myself, they're still fucking here. Yeah. They burn you. I'll see. I'll see a move get hit. And I'm thinking it's the finish of the match, and it kicks out. And I'm like, "Wait a minute, we're still here." It's a nightmare. Is what it is. It's like they beat. There, there's times the when I watch AEW, and I'm like, "Wait a minute, it's over already." <laughs> like, yeah, you know, they they have to get back there, and I don't think that they're gonna do it with these long ass shows. I just don't see do that it. being the way that it is. So those are the ratings. Everything's low across the board for these guys. AEW ratings are for the pay per view could be better. The weekly is doing excellent for where they are we have to see how they're going to maintain that momentum and then we're also hearing wwe backstage you remember that famous show backstage that no one ever cared about that they decided to put on at the dead of night on a fox sports one everybody acts like everybody just started recently giving a shit about and not because of the show itself so fox sports one 10 p.m you get this show WWE backstage. This show is completely controlled by Fox. This is Fox's vision of how we are going to go over WWE news throughout the week. There's actually a channel now, YouTube channel, you can subscribe to called WWE on Fox that has clips of it. If you're ever so inclined or curious as to what the format of the show is for those of you that have not tuned into it. So that being said, we have this backstage show that bombed last week with 49,000 viewers. This week but, it pulled but, in. But what it, happened at the end? This week it pulled in a hundred thousand. So they pulled in double the viewers from last week. The thing about this is that this show is being left in midair. Tuesdays at 10 p.m. You'd have to be thinking, let me tune into that new show about wrestling. It's like almost a post show, which I know they're trying to do a lot. But basically back when it came in after SmackDown on Fox Sports one, they pulled in four, 426,000 viewers because people were already watching SmackDown. It segues straight into this thing. Makes sense to me. But now this show's on an island all by itself on a day where there's no wrestling going on. So they pulled in 49,000 viewers the first week, a hundred thousand this week. Uh, yeah, spoiler alert, CM Punk makes his return to this show. That has no bearing whatsoever on the ratings because they didn't know CM Punk was going to be there. They just have double the viewers. Maybe more people became aware of the uh, the WWE backstage show. Well, another thing we have to look at, which I didn't get to investigate, is what was on before the show this week. What sports show? Was there a game on? What was happening that gave yep. them an extra uh, 50,000 viewers? There must have been something. But the point being, they didn't know that Punk was going to be there. They had no idea. This was just something that happened to work itself self out. Yep. You know, but uh, I love how I don't know if you've seen it, but it's like it seems like the Internet's all of a sudden just suddenly kind of like almost turned on Punk. I've seen a, I've seen a few cases of where everybody's like calling him like a sellout and everything like, oh, you sold out and went back to WWE. And I'm like, first of all, he worked for Fox. That that distinction is, and what's kind of interesting is that at times that distinction is being blurred, and then at other times it's being embraced. So it's 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 hard to tell whether or not they almost want to make it seem like he's part of WWE. You know what I mean? At times, but it's like they're sort of treading that line where it's like, uh, if both sides were interested in doing this enough it would definitely be possible to uh, happen. Like the door's more open now than ever. He's interacting with people from WWE, whether he likes to or not. That being said, this show, um, because it's Fox, they bring in whoever the hell they want. I've seen Barbie Blank, a.k.a. Kelly Kelly, on an interview there. You know, I've seen AJ Lee 
already on a backstage interview there. It's like Fox isn't going to not bring people in because they're ex WWE stars. So it's an interesting world that we're in now because Fox controls that WWE doesn't get to say a single thing about how that kind of stuff is going to go or why that kind of stuff is going to go. Yeah. Fox does. If Fox says this person's going in, WWE just has to make sure they show up. That's at that point. That's all WWE can do. But it is to their advantage. It's not like they're going to do yeah. something to spite WWE. Maybe WWE oh, yeah. won't always like it, but it'll be those times where, uh, thankfully they will do something, uh, that maybe they wouldn't necessarily have done because there's a, there's a, um, impartial middle person, uh, you know, that will, that will convey the message, which is sort of what Fox is in this. They're impartial. They're not part of the heat between CM Punk and WWE. And, uh, he took a job from Fox, not a job from WWE. Exactly. Anyway, that being said, let's take a look at what the hell is going on with this debut for those of you who didn't see it. Here's the thing. Here's the thing about WWE. We like to have those like those iconic history-making moments in WWE. Makes makes us all fans. So I think it's time that we start doing some of our own right here on WWE backstage. You guys in? Yeah. All right. What are we doing? In three, two, one. Is this a rib? Is this a rib? Oh my god! Yes! Holy crap! You guys don't want me to cuss when you do this? Yeah! Come on! Wow! I do this! I do this! Wow! No idea! No idea! Alright, welcome! Welcome home! Yes, welcome! It's as simple as this just when they think they got the answers. I change the culture. I'll see you here next week. So a lot of people made fun of that because of how bad the production was, how the lighting was off and, uh, you know, which it was. Yeah. (laughs) I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to defend it. That's what you're waiting for. I know my tone sounded like I was going to give you a bright side. No, it sucked. Um, I thought it was done really miserably. It felt very thrown together, very last minute. I didn't really care too much for it. It's not like he's back in WWE. I know some people were marking out about it. But and um, yes, for just for the record, Booker did not know. In fact, Renee was the only person who knew out of that group. Yeah, and you know what? Then WWE did do like a little statement where they said after a nearly six year absence from WWE TV, CM Punk made a shocking unannounced appearance on Tuesday's, Tuesday night's episode of WWE Backstage, Fox Sports One's new weekly studio show. The two time WWE champion arrived during the show's final moments, entering to the sounds of Living Colors Cult of Personality, blah, 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 blah. And, um, yeah, basically they said that, um, their Twitter account said that he's going to be making periodic appearances from now on. You know, and, you know, so WWE was tweeting out about all of this, but they didn't bother to tag CM Punk in the tweets. You know, like they mentioned him, CM Punk, who is a former WWE star, has made his debut. But, you know, you can tag people in tweets. So Renee Young then replies to the tweets and puts, tag him, you cowards, and tags him. <laughs> you know, Renee oh, Young also shit. also working for Fox. Not like they're going <laughs> to... Like they don't release her anyway, right? You know, whatever. She got that Fox <laughs> money, baby. Yeah, exactly. It's fucking crazy. Let's not in our life. I swear to God. Yeah. <laughs> but according to PW Insider, the only person who knew that that was CM Punk was Renee. It was kept secret yeah. to literally everybody. They have a video out there. I'm not going to bother to show it, but they have a video out there of him. They had to cover him, um, put a scarf around him, cover his face practically, just to make sure that uh, 
no one recognized him going to the arena. So, I mean, they were really, yeah. really careful about this, uh, which, I st- again, I still think it's a waste for his return to be uh, that. I mean, of course, you know you're going to get the marks to pop, so I mean. You know. Yeah, I guess. I mean, we all know he probably got Jordan Miles heat now because he said he did something about culture, so, you know. Yeah, but, yeah, from what we're seeing, uh, they put CM Punk's profile back on their website, as you can see here from the screenshot. Yeah. Uh, so, um, of course, profile, they try to cash in on something good that happened on Fox. His profile's back on WWE.com. I mean, at the end of the day, they, I mean, they, they, he's, they're dealing with the CM Punk and he's dealing with WWE, you know? Yeah. And, uh, according to PW Insider, he signed the deal with Fox, not WWE, as we already know. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can rule out the fact that he would still have something going on with WWE. You know, he's only yeah, the, door, the door is open for sure. Yeah, exactly. And as far as UFC, he remains in the USADA testing pool. He's drug tested regularly. He was drug tested this quarter. There's been no talk of him getting back into the octagon. So he's going to remain his 0-2 loss record. And I think that's going to sort of being on Fox solidifies that. Yeah. Um, he, 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 so every now, every now and then you get your ass whooped to Fox. I mean, so yeah, CM Punk had a pro wrestling tees store called CM Punk Sucks. Um, but apparently he took it down recently. It's been reported that could be because of the fact that he's going to be doing some sort of merchandising with Fox or WWE, but you can no longer get his pro wrestling tees. So just another show of things that have changed recently in regards to him. You know, so like I said, we're, we're, we're in an interesting situation here where, right. uh, you know, where I don't think anybody saw this being the way. And honestly, I don't think this is the way anyone wanted, uh, for CM Punk. To return, you know, if you had to choose, will you say, "Hmm, I hope he shows up in some interview show"? Hell no! Like, if I want, if if you're gonna have CM Punk come back, he shows up at Raw, he shows up at SmackDown, or he shows up at NXT somewhere. Not like the show everybody forgets about until something happens on it. Yeah, where this is like just underwhelming, you know. Like you can't. You, I guarantee. Ask anybody what happened before that. I guarantee they can't tell you because nobody gives a shit. Yeah. And when you think about it, they're screwed in the aspect of the fact that it's like, okay, Punk's only going to be on periodically. So that means if you don't tell them, see, if you tell them CM Punk's not on that episode, guess who doesn't watch that episode? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm not exactly sure what it is that they're, uh, they're going to be doing here. But I will say, I guess, when it comes to like the ROH aspect of it, which is really cool, it's kind of funny how we bring up this image and I see Joe. When's the last time those two have been in the same room together? Yeah, I guess this this is going to be it on the on the Sean Fox because Joe's part of it. Joe's a great talker. It's weird that he's Samoan and a great talker, right? I love listening to Joe talk. It's always fun. Yeah, this he was funny tonight on Raw. Yeah, I'm trying to load this up here, but this is supposedly more behind the scenes stuff of uh CM Punk's return. Like this is what they didn't show on camera. Just got to give us a sec here, guys, for it to load up. We do this all in real time, and it's only two of us. So. I'm just happy you don't have He's to here. lie to anybody anymore. He's here. We've been lying, and I felt so weird about it. It was so stressful leading up to that moment. And I can stop stressing about. It. Do I zip this up? No, it's good. It's a good look. It? What do I do? It's just a good look. About this is like a good standard look. This is it. Well, I'm. 
until I can fit into a cat suit like you. <laughs> that was awesome. Honestly, like we didn't know, and me and Booker were just saying it's the first time that we've uh, been pranked, kind of. I don't know how would you say it, but that we got got on the show. We're very excited. I mean, he's gonna just bring his honesty, which is why everyone loved him in the first place, right? His real honesty. So yeah, we're happy that he's here. I, I think. It's a good end to a rough show because the guys have been picking on me. Well, being as somebody who's probably the most familiar with him, this is the only way it could have been. You know, real quiet, real sneaky, real devious. Probably just keep up standards, you know? It's a really important thing. It's good to have him back. <laughs> awesome, man. Uh, you know, uh, first of all, it was an awesome show tonight. Everybody went out and just, you know, let loose a little bit, let her hair down and, and had fun more than anything. And just like uh, typical WWE, the uh, the moment, you know, where we think everything is over. And uh, like they say, always expect the unexpected. Here comes CM Punk, uh, the cult of personality, the music and whatnot, you know. I'm sure the, uh, I'm sure the fans that have been wishing to see more of CM Punk, they're happy. And at the end of the day, you know, it's going to be a great addition to WWE Backstage. Renee um, and I, we could be more overjoyed. So I'm looking um, forward to the future. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be uh, one of those things, just like I always say. Um, now, can you dig that? And many, many more nights of can you dig that? And what you're going to be digging is WWE Backstage. Now, can you dig that? Interesting. Yeah, it's gonna be fun to see what happens with him. Yeah. It's good. I mean, it, it was good to see him for sure. But I mean, could have been. It's not definitely not the way where anybody who wanted to see him come back would have wanted to see him come back. Mark said, "What if CM Punk's the fourth member for War Games?" Oh, for Christ's sakes! Don't you summon the marks like that. You stop it. I mean, Survivor Series is known for its big moments, man. <laughs> you know, that was, if there was any time to do something like that, it would be Survivor Series. You know. Uh, we're also hearing that Fox has our uh, interest in having AJ Lee showing up on that show occasionally as well. So uh, you're going to have her in the picture. We heard rumors that WWE wants to inf- get involved with her too, which I'm sure they would. At this point, they'd get involved with whoever the hell they can. Exactly. They'll put Ben in the Hall of Fame at this point if that's what it takes. <laughs> I almost don't go that far, but you never know. <laughs> I don't trust them. <laughs> Yeah, they said that uh, according to the Wrestling Observer, there were some people backstage who who uh, were aware of it and and were negative about him showing up because of past bad blood. But um, you know, I guess there's always going to be that. What can you do? Yep. You know, and we're also hearing that uh, the source here being I'm trying to figure out who the hell. So this Brad Shepard that said that he spoke to a source in WWE about CM Punk's new role in WWE's backstage, and he told that his appearance in the role received a mild reaction at WWE headquarters, and that the source felt that it was a flat return, and that they don't believe that that's entirely his fault, but that felt it felt dry seeing him on a recap show. So uh, you know, even WWE didn't agree with this. So for people who are giving WWE heat about, oh, why did they do that? No, it was Fox, and they didn't like that at all. And you know what? I I kind of agree with WWE. I think that Fox not understanding the way wrestling works made a big mistake here. Exactly. You can't just bring a name like CM Punk on just a recap show. Moxley talked about in his podcast. Remember when that, that, that return podcast where he spilled the beans about WWE? He talked about how even the momentum of a return pop 
would be something that the company would ruin. He gave the example of how when he returned, um, remember that whole thing with Seth Rollins where he said, uh, you know, about having a lunatic in his corner just before yeah. he's like, I'm going to have a lunatic in mine. And he said that in doing so, that split second of everyone knowing ahead of time when the music hit, it ruined what otherwise would have been what they say in the business is considered a road warrior pop. Because if it would have just yeah. been that Rollins was out there and then suddenly you hear his music hit, everyone loses their shit at the same time. Like, Whereas the, the way whole... that they did it was uh, going, you know, I'm going to have a lunatic in my corner. That deflated the pop a little bit because the timing of it was off. So you look at something like that where it was five second difference and he felt that pop was ruined. And then you take CM Punk, who they <laughs> they basically just, just deflated the whole balloon by having it be yeah. on a show that nobody watched. I mean, a prime example of a perfectly timed one was when Sting showed up. There was no warning, no indication until the second you saw his face on the screen. Yeah, or or and, when, and the whole purpose of the Road Warrior pop, it's that split moment. Or when they announced um, The Rock being the host of WrestleMania 27, they went as far as having a limousine drive up and and a, and a pair of heels come out of the limousine before cutting yeah. to commercial, cutting back, the lights turn black, all this other stuff, and then The Rock's music, everyone lost their shit. It's it's that sudden pop. It's that sudden reaction. Yeah. It's, it's that's what the whole thing that makes it. And no, 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 and no, Mark. The FJ, <laughs> the whole thing. Like, Mark was like, hold up, they forgive Hogan, but not CM Punk. The Hogan thing that was just people being sensitive. No For, forgiveness is a two way street, though. Some matter if the Punk forgive them, we're not even thinking about whether or not. Uh, yeah. They get they forgive Punk. They might have forgave Punk. Punk probably hasn't forgiven them yet. Yeah, like we don't know his state of mind in regards to these people, you know. He might like, just he might just took it just because he knows he's not working for WWE, he's working for Fox. Yeah, which puts him in a really comfortable seat and out of their power. Exactly, they can't do they can't touch him. <laughs> like he said in the pipe bomb, you can't touch me. Yeah, and he's right. Like so. at this point, everybody in WWE who doesn't like it just has to turn the other way because there's nothing they can say or do about it. Yeah. But it's definitely an interesting time because when you got a guy like that coming back, someone who you never thought that you would see again, and yet here he is. Yeah, it's a yeah. Stacey said, "Perfect." Like getting a divorce, both people have to stop. Yeah, exactly. So it's definitely a tough spot to be in. And um, yeah, we heard that Tony Khan actually met with CM Punk. He spoke. He said this during uh, I believe it was during WWE backstage, but he said that uh. Well, according to Brian Alvarez, he said that uh, Punk spoke to Tony Khan and he doesn't know what the story is, but he knows that they sent him some texts and it was this and that. Um, he spoke about how Punk doesn't have any interest in actually wrestling and it could just be that he wants to continue doing what he, he does in his life and he's over the in-ring aspect of it. And he was given, um, and even if he was given a great deal of work every week, um, you know, because they made it abundantly clear that he's not the host of the show, he's a special contributor. You know, and it could just be that Fox has a lot of money and that they offered him a lot of money to occasionally show up, you know, so. Yeah, it wouldn't be surprising to know, like, that Punk's just kind of over the in-ring, like, the physical aspect of it more. He just has to show up every now and then and talk, so I mean. Yeah, pretty much. And um, something interesting that I found kind of out of character was... uh. Tony Khan, and this only happened a couple of hours ago. As a matter of fact, it might have happened while Raw was on the air. I don't know if you heard about this. But uh, CM Punk put out a tweet. Um, I believe it was a tweet where he, he basically said that uh, no one's safe, you know? 
I guess basically meaning when it comes to interviewing CM Punk saying no one is safe. At least I guess that's what it was alluding to. And then Tony Khan replied to this and um he said no one is safe. Sounds like a plane full of wrestlers in Saudi Arabia. I saw that. Oh my god. And I was, lost. I almost said to you, but I was like, he's probably already seen it. I almost didn't because it just happened. <laughs> Holy shit. And um, what was interesting about this, I'm trying to piece this together here as I talk to you guys. We do it live, pal. But anyway, um, what was interesting about this was Tony Khan has come off as a very reserved owner of AEW, like a very, you know, conservative kind of guy. Like he's above it, not really involved in that. So I just thought that was really out of character. But um, you got to be careful when you go out there into the battlefield like that of Twitter, because there's a lot of people that have been out there long enough that they'll be fucking quick to double tap your ass. Right. You know, if you're if you're a rookie. And that being said, this caught the attention of Randy Orton. Oh, God. And he had a really interesting response where he said, what's that whole thing about glass houses and stones? And then he put in that a link to uh, a sports story from sportsnot.com. I'll share the link to you. It's back from October of 2018. And it says Jaguars owner Shahid Khan uh, being investigated, which I'm guessing Shahid Khan is the uh, is is the father to, to, to Tony Khan, I'm guessing, because the Khan family, they own a lot of sports and, and shit, right? Yeah, some relation to Tony for sure. Yeah, let me bring up the article here so that I could show you what it is. Yeah, give me a sec. I'm going to link you guys also in the chat room while we're doing that. I'm getting up some Twitter assassins out there. You got to be careful. The Jaguars owner Shahid Khan being investigated for corruption. So this was, uh, wow, this was Randy Orton's response was to bring back some shit from him from from 13 months ago. (laughs) Oh, motherfucker, you think we forgot? (laughs) It says here in the States, billionaire Shahid Khan is best known for being the owner of the upstart Jacksonville Jaguars. But overseas, he's a larger than life figure and the owner of the Fulham Football Club of the Premier League in London. Uh, this site is spammy, so I'm scrolling. That's why I stop. It's not because I'm a slow reader. Khan is also now potentially in trouble with the law overseas, according to the Telegraph. He's currently being investigated by the Metropolitan Police in London for allegations of threatening behavior. And then there's a quote here that says the Fulham owner who's... 600 pound, 600 million pound bid is being considered by the FA Council on Thursday is embroiled in damaging claims from a former member of his coaching staff alleging systemic corruption relating to his bid to buy the home of English football, uh, of English football, the paper reported. And local police on Tuesday night confirmed that they are looking into allegations of quote unquote non-recent threatening behavior against Khan at Fulham's Motspur Park training ground. Anyway, point being, looking at this, the allegations come from former director of football, Craig Klein, who claims the club engaged in racism. He doubled down on Twitter in the lead up to a vote that would enable Khan to buy ownership of the famed Wembley Stadium. Khan, who has been in talks to buy the stadium since April, has denied the allegations through spokesman Jim Woodcock. Woodcock. That's interesting. This is nothing more than the same ongoing nonsense and bogus claims made by a former employee who left the club in 2017, Woodcock said. Nothing here merits a further response. So anyway, this was the story that Randy Orton clapped back to when he said you shouldn't throw stones after Tony Khan did the 
Saudi Arabia. And yeah, Mark said that that's the dad. So yeah, man, all of this because of CM Punk. You see, he's not even fully in WWE yet, and all of that shit happened because of Heat. Right. I don't. I'm gonna let you guys see the uh the tweet here. I guess just link you to it. Thank good God, my just. <laughs> Just in case you wanted to see Orange tweet, there it is. Yeah, so I don't know. Tony Khan, the first time that he he came out of his face, he got slapped in it, huh? <laughs> came out and got clapped. Yeah, man, those are hard times. Welcome to Twitter, motherfucker. Right. <laughs> you know, it's hard times. But yeah, Booker T uh, on his podcast commented a bit on the CM Punk situation. We can let you guys hear a little of that and link you to the whole thing. said that she had something that she wanted to put out there you know a little surprise and i heard cult of personality and then out walks c m punk you seem genuinely surprised page was trying not to cuss uh everyone has smiles (laughs) on their faces internet blew up what happened hey man i don't know what happened man i don't know you know what happened i'm serious man i i I didn't see CM punk all day you know you're being for real. I'm, I'm being for real. I didn't you see. You did not see him at all. I didn't know CM Punk was in the, in the building. I didn't know anything about this. Um, we come to the last two minutes of the show and I know we're getting ready to go off and all of a sudden we got the surprises for us. We're going to do something new, which what, uh, Renee said. I didn't know what the, what new was because no one told me what the, we was going to do new. So you didn't know there was a segment planned or anything? I didn't know like it was a segment planned or anything like that. And then the music played. So I was, um, just genuinely surprised that it was CM Punk, you know, because, if I saw CM Punk on the street, you know what I mean? I thought it might be some fireworks or something like that. But but then he walked in, everything cooled off. I said, he's at the job. You know what I mean? So everything's cool. But uh, he, I said, no, nah, I knew this was, was going to happen. I said, I knew it. I knew But I didn't know anything. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now. I didn't know anything. And it was um, it was cool, man. It was cool, man. And the fans, the fans want to see CM Punk, man. The fans want to see Punk, you know, out there doing his thing. The fans want to see him back in the business. Uh, he's been away from the business for six long years. And, um, to see him back in that format is one thing, but I'm, I'm sure the people want to see CM Punk actually put his boots on and lace them up and get back in the ring. Um, that's, that's the end goal. I would, I would expect for so many fans that, that love CM Punk and then for CM Punk to come on, on that show right there, which, you know, Samoa Joe was on both of those guys, almost like a, you know, uh, your know, reunion, uh, so oh, to speak. Battles in ROA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. So my thing is, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, the C Punk back, man. The internet pretty much blew up, and um, nothing but positive comments uh, on, on the show. Uh, but it, it let me know that we did a good job as far as keeping people to the end of the show, and then Punk coming out and then making a splash and boom, sure blowing. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, icing on on the cake, and now we're gonna roll in the next week, and people are gonna be wondering what's gonna happen, especially after you know what we may see on television over this over this next week, coming into next Tuesday. So it's gonna be um, it's gonna be pretty exciting. Let me ask you this: what, Did you and Punk talk after the show? Did you have any conversation? I mean, what what was the vibe afterward? Nah, man, we went out to dinner. Yeah. <laughs> we went out to dinner and, you know, chopped it up. You know, we, we both actually, uh, ordered the, uh, Sicilian sea bass with the, um, fried, um, crab, um, uh, what was it, um, uh, fried rice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crab so, fried rice. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, I mean, what were y'all's conversation? We are talking about, you know, him wrestling. No, nah, no. Nah. You know show? what? We didn't, we didn't get off into any, um, you know, we just talked pretty much mainly about, you know, small talk. 
Um, nothing about business. Like, like, how's the weather? Or <laughs> you know, what were you talking about? Small talk, you know it's what I mean? Details, you know, know I mean, stuff that's going on in MMA, you know, yeah. like fighting, you know, for the fighting world. You know, even stuff that's going on in the wrestling world, but it was just small talk. It wasn't anything about, you know, hey, um, you know, what do you think about, you know, your career? And, and you know, and, right. and it wasn't anything like that because I don't, I don't I love to have him on the show and we talk about that. This show. Uh, okay. yeah, yeah. This uh, show. a Hall of Fame. Um, and we talk about that. We definitely going to get Punk on just to, um, talk about it. Um, his, his life and career and what, where he was, you know, and where he went and where he is now, um, and where he plans to go, <laughs> you know, because there's still so much more left to, you know, with CM. CM Punk's still a relatively young guy, man. I'm still doing this and, you know, people know I've been around it for a long time, you know, so it is longevity in the business. If you, uh, you know, map it out right. You know what I mean? You got to have a, a really, really good navigation system like that Garmin. Um, and it'll get you wherever you need to go. So what do you think, <laughs> what do you think we can expect though with Punk being on the show next week? I mean, you know, what, what do you think is going to happen? I don't know. You know what I mean? I really don't. You know what I mean? I, I do not know. Look what? like you clenched your fist there for a second. No, no I'm serious. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen with CM Punk, you know what I mean? Because CM Punk, he's a wild card. You know, we don't know what he's going to say. CM Punk could go right off the cuff, you know. He could perhaps want to, you know, have a pipe bomb moment, you know, and we have to try to restrain him, you know, and have to, you know, put, lock him up and take him off the show or something, you know, in, in restraints, you know, because that's the type of Are guy. Are you going to restrain him? If need be. If need be, I'm talking about from the perspective to where, hey, hey, guys, security, come take care of it. Get your tip. <laughs> uh, um, and what did you think about, you know, he came in and he looked at the camera and, and, and I want to get, what did you think this meant? He said, as soon as you have the answers, I changed the culture. What did that mean? I don't know what it meant. You know what I mean? That's like a riddle. You know, you, I used to watch Batman and the Riddler, man. I could never figure out any of that stuff. So that, that we have another riddle. Uh, by CM Punk, you know, you think you got the answer. Now I changed the culture. Uh, what- well, if you guys want to see the rest of that, it is up. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna be intriguing to see what it's like next week when he does come back for it. Like how exactly things are gonna change with him around. It's definitely gonna give them a little bit more, I guess, attention on the show. But like I said, it might only be for the episodes where he's around. Yeah. Alright, well. You know, you guys can rewatch that on demand if you want, and I put the link in the chat room for anyone that may have missed it there. Yeah. CM Punk, huh? He managed to stay at relevant topic the entire time he was gone up until he somewhat returned. Yeah. I mean, hey. Gotta do it somehow. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's talk racism. That's my favorite thing to talk about on here. <laughs> yeah. And this time it's not even about Hogan. It's great. Yeah, right. We're going to have to give it to uh, to Jordan Miles. You know, give him a uh, Jordan flow. Oh, God. That's wonderful. <laughs> oh, Jordan Miles. Jordan Miles. Oh, no, but that's his slave name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you heard about that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that guy is a piece of work. I'll tell you, man. Just for the record out there, people, it, it's not it's not, the, it's not, the crime. It's not the cops that makes it hard to be black in America. This guy's like this fucker, all right? <laughs> hey, yeah. Jesus Christ almighty. Yeah, I don't know what's with the guy, man. 
You know, the, he he definitely went a bit too far. There's no oh, a about bit that, is an understatement. You know, like the guy could have handled this with a lot more finesse. Like I said on here in the past, I don't know why he had to make that big of a deal out of it. Exactly. Just blew up over. Let's be real. Nothing like it, it was a shirt, my guy. Like, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, you know, like I said, it just gets worse and worse with the freaking guy. Let me see if I could uh bring up here. Uh, he did like a rant on Twitter, right? Oh, Jordan Miles' Twitter rants. You turned into one of those. <laughs> Motherfucker went from Xbox to PlayStation to Twitter. Oh, God. <laughs> All right, give me a sec. I'm just trying to get him on the screen, guys. Bear with us here. Here we go. As of today, I'd like to officially announce that I quit fucking wwe i am no longer employee i refuse to work for races that motherfucker growl i fucking quit fuck them i hate that fucking company and everything they fucking stand for all they did was ever hold our fucking people back i do this shit for the culture i don't need anyone's fucking permission to do what i want to do screw jordan miles don't ever call me by that slave name call me ach and don't forget the super bitch i quit fuck you when he growled, from what I recall seeing the live stream of this, what happened was, uh, someone said Uncle Tom, you know, the way like things on, on, when someone's live, the things will float up that they're typing. Yeah. <laughs> like, I saw the words Uncle Tom float up and he went, like, who got pissed at him? Yeah, and the chat room said that shit to him. <laughs> it's, funny. it's funny, even though it's, uh, it's funny, even though it's not funny. <laughs> it's funny because it's him. Not somebody you actually take seriously. And um, just for the record, Jordan. Um, let's see. WWE champion. Black. Longest reign tag team champions. Black. Who's being held back besides the guy who got the winter tournament? And then the last thing that we're all going to remember you for is getting lashed out by Adam Cole. Like, Yeah, but Brad Shepard saying that WWE actually fired him. And that... Uh, <laughs> They That's refer to him realistic. and they refer to him as insane. So it could be one of those, you can't fire me. I quit scenarios, you know, like a week after they fired you though. Yeah. And um, that whole thing about call me, don't call me my slave name now or whatever. We're hearing that that was a name that he came up with for himself. Right. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of like he came up with the name for himself. He said he was, he was quoted saying, I wasn't chasing a dollar. I was chasing a dream. They didn't pick this name. I did. Michael Jordan is my hero. Miles, because we have an African Spider-Man. When you say them together, it sounds like a heroic athlete to me. I'm a hold us down, but you got to trust me. So, uh, yeah, that's the slave name that he's no longer going to be using, which it kind of does sound like one for nothing. But, um, yeah, we're hearing that, uh, Brad Shepard also reporting that AEW wants to stay away from, um, ACH because of the way that he's been behaving, because I guess it's unprofessional conduct. And, yeah, um, do the fucking nutcase. Yeah, at some point he deleted his Twitter account. I'm assuming it's back since we're on this page here. I don't know if, how that works. If uh, the videos will still stay up from his Twitter account, but uh, it was being reported that his Twitter account was deleted, and then uh, I don't know, maybe he brought it back or or what was going on. But the Wrestling Observer Radio's Dave Meltzer was reporting that WWE did want to push him and that they had him win that tournament and uh, he was going to be a major star on the NXT show. And uh, basically when they did this, this is when it fell apart for him. So he kind of got himself de-pushed. And uh, they said that he was contacting other comp- other people, you know, other companies 
you know, according to the Wrestling Observer, they were saying that he's been in contact with at least one promotion outside of WWE. Um, so we don't know if that means that they're going to want to hire him or whatever. But we're also hearing that uh, basically they wanted to help him before he went public with the situation. But whatever they tried wasn't good enough. You know, so they said that uh, they tried to help him weeks before he went public with his issues. And at the time he disappeared from Orlando. And uh, then later on, he did turns out, according to what I'm reading here, it did turn out that he restored his Twitter account. And then he posted a wish list of opponents that he plans to face in his career. He did the Kill Bill wish list that had uh, Jonathan Gresham, Darius Lockhart, AJ Gray, Myron Reed, Desmond Xavier. Uh, so I don't know. That was his. That was his wish list, and uh, yeah, no, it's just Jesus. And he did a Q and A. I watched part of it over the weekend. I didn't really take any notes to it, but uh, he talked about just his mental health and uh, you know, just the stuff about the T-shirts and how he found it racist. Then other people in the chat room brought up uh, the time that Vince McMahon said the N word on TV, and he brought up how that was another time of them being racist. And he did. He brought up what you said about Kofi. He brought up that point about Kofi. Nonetheless, um, he said, you know, you can't take away from Kofi that he's one of the greatest of all time, but it doesn't make up for all of the racist shit that WWE does. At least that's what he said. I'm paraphrasing. You guys could go watch the whole thing if you want. Um, like I said, it's just a mess with this guy, man. I don't know anymore, you know? Like, I'm tired of talking about him every damn week. Um, he might disappear into obscurity after doing something like this. Fucking obscurity probably wouldn't want him. <laughs> yeah. So. Like, <sighs> So here's my whole, I've thought about this shit all week. I think ever since we've been talking about this guy, here's the reality, Jordan Miles. Like, you're, you got to win a breakout tournament, which, which got you an NXT championship match, something that some guys are in there for years and they never even so much as get close to. You're the only one in that tournament who got a fucking T-shirt because there's no there's no uh, Cameron Grimes one. There's no Bronson Reed shirt. There's no Boa. Any of these other guys who got T-shirts, you got handed every opportunity on the planet and you lost your shit over one fucking shirt. And now you're going into all this for the culture. Here's the thing about it. And what bothers me about people like that, bro, you ain't been for the culture the whole time you were in ROH. You wasn't in the culture any of the time. You was New Japan. You're only for the culture when it seems to be convenient. Like, bro, don't play that for the culture shit, all right? Don't try to pull that shit just because you got one thing that you didn't like. You got handed every opportunity in the world. You threw one hissy fit. And now, let's be real, like, you basically killed off any relevance of your career is ever going to have. And like, it comes off as a mental health thing, too. I hate to say it about the guy because he comes off as a nice guy, but it comes off as a mental health thing when you yeah. act like that, like without thinking about any repercussion or there were just so many smarter ways to go about it that like, I think one of the reasons companies will stay away from him is because it just makes them question his judgment. Not necessarily, I don't want to say his sanity. I don't know his mental situation, but it'll make you question a person's judgment that will jump to an extreme without justification, without proper justification. You know, yeah, and Booker you know. said it himself, like when they, when they come up with a t-shirt idea, they run it past you before they make it. So like, <laughs> yeah, Booker was confused in uh, exactly how the hell it will be. 
that he would wind up in this situation. That was something that he said, you know, mm-hmm. because every every time he's had a t-shirt made, he's had it run by him. You know? And like, I love how he goes to that whole thing of calling Jay Lethal and Uncle Tom. The fuck did Jay Lethal do besides win two ROH World Championship? Is it because he didn't be for the culture and get you over? Like, get the fuck out of here with this stuff, dude. Yeah. And speaking of Booker, he also chimed in on his recent show about the Jordan Miles thing again. And this is what he had to say. Uh, I don't know. You know, Jordan Miles is quit the company, but on social media, say quit the company. Well, that's his claim. Yeah. And my thing is, man, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and judge or anything like that. I'm not going to sit here and say, God should have did this. God should have did that. I'm going to, I'm going to even, I'm going to lay out on that because I don't even want any backlash before someone saying, oh, well, Booker said this or Booker said that. But I'm just, I'm just going to say this, man. It's a situation to where, you know, it all started, you know, with the t-shirt and now it's, it's gotten to this. And I don't, I don't know where it's going to go from here, but I, I do know, uh, like some of the stuff he was saying as far as the company goes, I, I cannot, I've been, I've been, on this earth for 54 years and and if you if you think one person is is something you know uh call it that you know if this if you think that person is is something you know call it that but i cannot judge a a, a group and, and say everybody is that you know and, and 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 when you do when you make a blanket statement like that you do no justice for yourself or the culture um because i <laughs> And I, and I, and like I said, I say this because I've had a lot of years and a lot of experience. <clears throat> and I do know I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for a, a white guy by the name of Bruce Kasarch, you know, who, you know, made this all happen for me as far as, you know, changing my life. Um, that's another story. Um, and, and I easily could have judged, you know, everyone the same way after my situation going to prison. Um, being a kid who had never been in trouble before, first time in the back of a police car, getting locked up and say the system did me wrong. Uh, I hate everybody of that color. You know what I mean? I, and, yeah. and, and if I would have did that, I would have did myself an injustice more than anything. And I think that's the situation I want to make clear here um, that the, the way he's going by this, he's doing himself an injustice. Uh, and, and that's my take on that. And I'm going to leave it at that. Oh, Boca. Yes, in reality, screwing yourself over. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it's a shame because I I always thought he would be able to do great things in uh in this company, you know. He, he could have been fantastic, but then he decided to blow some shit out of proportion and then try to run everybody else through the fucking mud because they don't want to change their fucking profile pictures on a relevant ass color. Doesn't mean jack shit like. Everybody else is too busy trying to succeed, trying to be for their career. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Tell you, man, like, I mean, for God's sake, brothers, we, we can't be doing this shit, man. Like, nobody's, the world's not against you like you think it is. Like, Kofi Kingston became WWE champion, one of the longest reigning tag champions in the history. Not because he was for the culture, it's because the guy wanted to fucking make something of himself. I mean, for God's sake, when Kofi came here, he was Jamaican. Yeah. <laughs> But you have not heard you have not heard of a complaint a single day. Our truth comes out here laughing and dancing and everything. You think he's not been world champion because they're racist? No, it's because he's gone on record and say he just likes having fun. You're the only one with this problem because your problem's not really a problem. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh it's definitely definitely something else, man. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I mean if you want to quit, bye.
<laughs> we're going to be here watching war games, but you're going to be sitting here trying to find work. Like, but I mean, Twitter, what, word online spreads like wildfire everywhere. You're going to try to get booked. is going to see this shit. And it's like, who's really going to want to deal with you? Yeah, exactly. Well, here's hoping that something gives, you know, there's no Dixie Carters out there left to hire people off the streets anymore. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> Even yeah. Impact wouldn't deal with them with this shit. You guys don't realize how good you had it when on Dixie would scoop you guys fucking practically straight out of rehab into a main event scene. Exactly. You for know. an 89 Viking Strictle World Championship. Y'all yeah. miss those days now, don't you? Yeah, you know, she had like, you know, the way when you go to places like the backstage would have like a little complimentary area with the mints and shit. She would have like the mints and like the fruits and like the Vicodin and all that. <laughs> Yeah, whatever the fuck, you know, whatever you needed. Like, she just had, like, the little trays out for whatever they needed, oh as long as they could God. perform. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I always love to see that. Just fucking mints and meats and cheeses and Vicodin and painkillers and fucking... Dixieland could be whatever you want it to be, sugar. Oh, my God. Speaking yeah. of sugar, booger sugar. <laughs> Complimentary bumps. There you go. Yeah, so I don't know. Like I said, when it comes to him, it's an interesting case because you would think that he didn't have as much to lose as he did. It's like a guy had his whole career ahead of him. I just can't believe it. It's like I said, like how many guys have we seen? Like, for example, how many NXT championship matches Tyler Breeze had? <laughs> Guess what? I could lose fingers and count how many I'd still be under. That dude on his second, his first match, officially part of the whole thing, got an NXT World Championship match. Mm-hmm. And yet calls them racist. Like sometimes, like it, it seems like the art of thinking before you speak has been lost greatly. Because if you listen to that, it sounds even dumber every single time. It really does. It really and it's like, like I said, like where, where's the Bronson Reed? Where's the Cameron Grimes? Where's the boy? Where are all their t-shirts? I haven't seen them, but we did the Jordan Miles t-shirt out there. So like, what you got complaining about? Yeah. I guarantee you right now, Isaiah Swerve Scott ain't for the fucking culture. The motherfuckers are cashing checks. For- <laughs> like, I, I just, I, I hate this thing where it's like people pull out the, pull up, people want to be their race when it's convenient. Yeah, I get some on my nerves too. Everyone wants to be a victim nowadays. Yeah, like dude, like you, you ain't been, you wasn't, you wasn't, you wasn't bumping this hashtag in ROH. You wasn't bumping this hashtag nowhere near on the Indies. Don't try to pull this shit like you've been about that your whole fucking career, bro. Yeah, like step back with that bullshit. I'm right there with you. Well, good luck to him and his future endeavors. Mm. Lord knows he's gonna have future endeavors. (laughs) (laughs) Tell you, man, all I'm saying, man. Popeyes need more chicken sandwiches, bro. Better before that chicken. Yeah, and if and if at the very least, it needs more people to fight over him. So So you're, you're either one or the other. (laughs) <laughs> Hashtag All choose a side. I, <laughs> <laughs> you know, All this is if I hear one of these days. Jordan Miles got stabbed over a Popeye chicken sandwich, and I'm laughing. These are his war games. <laughs> Popeye's, Popeyes war present games. war games. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll use oh. the voice too. That voice, and now Popeye's presents. <laughs> War games. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh, my God. That motherfucker went to the breakout <laughs> tournament to a park- parking lot in Popeyes. Ain't that a bitch? <laughs> oh, 
Oh, oh shit. <laughs> That'll be his war game. <laughs> you know, everybody else is fighting over like titles and prestige, and this guy's fighting over chicken. How messed <laughs> up that that's where we went on a guy who is, <laughs> who is ultra sensitive about racist shit. Oh, and then it turned into Popeye's chicken. That's fucking awesome. We don't write this stuff ahead of time, people. All right? This is straight off the top no, of the No, but it's satire. We don't mean any of these people anything about it. Like I told you guys before, I I've, I've, uh, I know ACH, and uh, he probably hates me now. So. Uh, he'll be all right. He hates everything at this point. So yeah, I mean, he's, he's too angry to even notice me. <laughs> <laughs> Holy Jesus Christ. In other news, I found this funny. This was uh, Charlotte was in India. I don't know if you heard about this. I'm scared. No, it's not that bad. She was in India recently, um, and they had, like, a house band. She showed up on some television show, and uh, they had, like, a house band play her song. I'm not saying anything bad, but I'm just saying her song sounded funny in Indian. But, yeah. Oh, you know. This is going to be great. Hazrat! 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 Hazrat o Time o आज दरबार सजा है ऑफ WWE संडे धवाल हर हफ्ते की तरह होगा यहाँ कमाल आज का सेट है सीन मामला है रंगीन शाम होगी हसीन क्योंकि आ रही है जिनकी रॉयल्टी है इन हर जीन लेट्स वेलकम शार्लेट फ्लेयर क्वीन ऑफ WWE Can we get that for Mania next year? <laughs> the Mania song. <laughs> I love how she just, I, God bless her for keeping the entrance going the whole time, too. She even did the twirl and shit and everything. Oh, oh my God. That was all I'm saying. Next time they do Crown Jewel, you got an entrance. I mean, yeah, come well, <laughs> a different culture, man. Yeah, it was cool, though. It was fun. That was entertaining. That was great. It was different. Yeah. You know, I, if they still let us change musics in the game just to fuck around, I'd permanently put that. Find <laughs> <laughs> that one on Spotify and just upload it to the game. Right? And then just oh, have, God. Have some permanent music. Oh, my God. Find it for everybody's music, too, is to fuck with people online. Oh, my God. Oh. I'm, I'm going to tell you what, dude, you get the MIDI version of them. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that is too funny. But yeah, she says that she has fallen in love with India. Literally, I'll show you the thing here. She says, I have fallen in love with India. I could feel the strong sense of family, the love for celebration, the people's generosity. Thank you to everyone who made my visit special. The cuisine, Bollywood dancing, and learning to drape my own Siri. I will have these memories forever. And then there's the image of her. Yeah, she's a bad bitch in whatever she wears. Right. So, I don't care. That's great. 
Sorry, sorry. Yes, sorry. Oh, my God. Should I write that down? Should I? Oh, uh, yes, sorry. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's, let's, let's scroll back up. How do we spell sorry here? S A R E. Put yes, sorry. Oh, that's fucking amazing. Yes, sorry. Oh, God. And, and I'm, all I'm saying is we have the artwork. All right. <laughs> That's awesome. That is fucking amazing. Oh, good Lord. Oh, that was funny. Where the match? Well, the match, um, Kitsap Beast, the match is this Saturday, NXT TakeOver War Games 3, and this Sunday, Survivor Series 2019. So you'll have many of the match, not just one of the match. It's gonna hey, be, yeah. It's going to be huge. Two War Games match. You're going to have so much of the match, you're not even going to know what to do about it. <laughs> you stupid <laughs> Holy shit No guys amazing how you go from Freaking Jordan Miles dramatic ass Just something that makes you laugh just. Yeah it's gonna start off with you watching the match And by the end of the week and the match is gonna be watching you <laughs> Cause you're gonna be asleep In your, in your chair from all, You're gonna get over wrestled <laughs> When you think about it, like it's three back to back days It's just craziness yeah, sure as hell is. And then and somehow we got to survive all that and make it through the anniversary episode, too. Oh, baby Jesus. I'm used to it at this point. I used to cringe every year at how I'm going to do it. I'm like, I'm fine, man. I'll do it. I'll sleepwalk through this shit. Hell yeah. We out here. Damn. Yeah. So uh, we spoke a few weeks ago about ODB's food truck being unfortunately burned down. Everyone was remembers the iconic food truck and what it meant to her. Well, yeah. Mick Foley held a show, fundraising show, all proceeds donated to ODB. And he raised $9,500 for her. And he tweeted out, thank you to everyone who turned out last night for the Improv San Jose for ODB Appreciation Day and helped us raise $9,500 to hashtag get ODB cooking again. And then ODB tweeted and she said, holy crap, wow, thank you, Mick Foley and everyone who came out Last night to, to Improv San Jose. This is effing amazing. So they helped ODB get her business back. You see, there's good in the world. I've seen from social media, like that girl has one of the strongest fan bases. Like they, she treats her fans more like her friends than just fans. So it's like, it's good to see everybody came together to try to help her. Cause yeah, she was devastated when she lost that truck. She loved that truck to death. Yeah. And her whole, all of her fans knew that. So, mm-hmm. so you know, a little bit of good news. I was like, I know it's not a big story, but I like to give updates and stuff that we talk about here. I don't like stories to just disappear into the ether like they do in all other places, you know. has to be some continuity yeah. to the show. Otherwise, what the hell's even the point of trying to tune in every week? You should just be like, that's it. I have my fill. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you stop that. You stop that right now. Yeah. Yeah, a lot going on. I don't know if we're doing a post show for the uh NXT takeover. We're gonna have to play it by ear. We definitely got that post show Sunday for Survivor Series. I don't think takeover post shows are super necessary. Not necessarily, like unless it's like a off the walls war games, maybe, but I mean it's not like a mandatory thing. Yeah, exactly. But uh I wouldn't rule out either way the chat will be up during the event. Yeah, I mean, but it's kinda cool. Speaking of war games, I was scrolling through Instagram a bit. This is actually a very uh, 
I think this exact day is actually a very special day for Pete Dunn because it was a year ago that he won war games and then got to meet his baby girl. Huh? Literally won war games with a broken foot and then may it still to see the birth of his daughter. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So the baby bruise is a year old. So one step nice. closer to popping fingers in preschool and shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, I think we got like another piece of news, maybe two, probably one, with the way I'm feeling. And we're going to get the hell out of here for the time being. And, uh, this is Xavier Woods. Apparently he's in a, he's in some sort of a track with Mega Ran. Do you know about that? Yeah, let's see what the hell this is. Yo, I seen what you do. I respect it and all. I've been watching wrestling since before I could crawl. So I think the next logical step to progress is to hop inside the ring. Give my knowledge a test. Yes. Luckily, I've got a friend named Creed. He's agreed to show me everything I'm going to need. So excuse me, I'm going to do a couple stretches and then we can get started with these lessons. Wait, what are you doing? Is this why I'm here? And why are you in a singlet? This is my wrestling gear. I thought I was coming over to play Monster Hunter. Yeah, I tried to tell you plans changed, but I lost your number. Remember that time? We did that battle in the ring Yeah And everybody loved it And said that we did our thing Yo, that was like two years ago Yeah, I know But I think I want to give this a go Bro, no There are so many things You need to be aware of The fans, co-workers, yourself To take care of The respect, ability to connect And not to mention You could break your freaking neck Like Kurt Angle did Yeah, exactly Take a backseat That guy, he's an Olympic athlete So imagine what would happen to you What's the worst thing, really? I mean, you could tear your Achilles I want to slam fools on the mat what a suplex, cats give them belly to back. Rock bottom, tombstone, and a sunset flip. So I need you to teach me hey, that. I like no it. It has an old school vibe to it. Yeah. Hey, the crowd go wild when I win the strap. So I need you to teach me that. No. Like, just because you're a fan, you think that you can hop into the ring, like, straight up stance? Yeah. Like, what if I decided to rap? Like you're doing right now? Well, what else besides the fact? And I'm only doing this just to prove my point. And for the record, I sound pretty good on this joint. But first of all, no shade, but you're of a certain age, and the body reacts different to pain. When's the last time you felt? Well, a week ago, when I got closing <laughs> inside of the depot. Imagine doing that 30 times a day. If some ailments you get, just don't go away. Uh-huh. And say your wife gets mad, your bro is on the road. I'm already on the road. I do shows, you do shows. I was told entertainment is all the same. It's a different court, but we playing the same game. I want to slam fools on the mat. What a suplex, cats give them belly to back. Rock bottom, yeah. tombstone, and a sunset cool. flip. So I need you to teach me that. No way. I want to slam fools on the mat. Hear the crowd go wild when I win the strap. Blue salt, sharpshooter, and a F-5-2. So I need you to teach me that. Creed, I want to learn to run the ropes, do flat back bumps, throw lines, and perfect a sick working punch. Who told you these terms? I got them from the internet. And if you don't mind, I wasn't quite finished yet. Drop kick, drop toe hold, and a scoop slam. A little sweet chin music. Tuning up the band. Big boots, headlocks, and Samoan drops. Choke slams, full Nelsons, Indian death locks. Fujiwara arm bars, coquina clutches. Make me the best. I want to be the toughest, stretch me out I want to see what I can take and make it look real Even though we know it's Don't you ever fix your lips to say that word Okay, but you gotta show me how to not get hurt <laughs> Man, I can't do this I just came to play a game And my friend is now gone completely insane So I'm just gonna leave You're just gonna leave I wouldn't never desert you in your time of need But one more thing I got you a gift what? Golden Girls DVD Season 3 Yeah, you like that Yeah, I just might Well, if you want it, you gotta teach me to fight 
fight. Okay, one lesson, then we gotta stop. Okay, what's the first thing? Taking a chair shot. <laughs> wow. That was awesome. That was nice. I link you guys to it anyway who caught this on social media. I like it. I was that cool. has like almost like an Eric B and Rakim type feel, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, very that cool. Was... Very old school feeling. I like Holy that. Shit. Good stuff. Good, good stuff. Oh, man. I had a lot of fun in this episode. Yeah, this was a very entertaining one. Yeah, so there's a track up there for you guys. Uh, are we done on stories here? I think for now we're going to be done. The only other thing that really came up was uh, basically, according to Al... Akibaira Television, the the Riyadh police arrested an Arab resident that had a knife because he stabbed two men and women who were in a theatrical group. And they said the WWE was monitoring the situation. You're damn right. Because it's the kind of shit that happens to performers out there. Right. You know, they really get stuck on planes. <laughs> hell, it happens to performers in here. You know? And, uh, oh man, we're getting to the point we're going to have to do the weeklies. It's down for the week. We. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I guess you do SmackDown. I do Raw. Yeah, I get it. You know, so uh, yeah, uh, fantastic. Friday, Friday night SmackDown kicked it off with a uh, King Corbin <laughs> again. Yeah, and even better, extra credit. It's Dolph Ziggler and Robert fucking Rude. So, uh, yeah, Corbin, of course, shooting on the Philly fans, talking about SmackDown is no longer the big dog yard, but it's the kingdom. And he does this thing. I don't know who signed off on this shit, but Roman's music starts playing. And instead of the bass hits, we get like these little tiny fucking Taco Bell chihuahua yelps in the middle of like almost rhythmic to the point where I wanted to shoot the TV. Yeah, and and according to Brad Shepard, Fox isn't happy as far as that segment. They're not even thinking about ratings. They don't like the uh, they didn't like the big dog, <laughs> is the way they put it, which is great. But yeah, they didn't they they weren't thrilled with the big dog that came out, uh, the 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 stupid mascot dog, and uh, yeah. So eventually they're gonna look at the ratings and say maybe it's because you guys do stupid things like that big dog. Right? Like, there was no reason for this segment. Nobody needed this. Nobody wanted this. Nobody asked for this. But nope. the first official match, we had uh, Shorty G, and he got his whole name back, Mustafa Ali, versus yeah. Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode. It's funny, because when he put on Twitter, I am Mustafa Ali, putting back the Mustafa in his name, Rusev replied and put, again? <laughs> she was crazy. Because they keep, it's like, WWE can't decide whether they want to keep you with a first or last name or not, you know? This is funny. Apollo Crews went from Apollo to Apollo, went from Apollo Crews to Apollo, back to Apollo Crews. Like, mm-hmm. I need to pick one. But the uh, finish to this match was uh, the com- a really cool combination, that Chaos Theory rolling German suplex into a 450 by Ali for the win. Mm-hmm. And our Roman I mean, hitting a spear on Rude on the outside. Oh, yeah, that was a. Uh, yeah, he had a uh, Corbin. It was Corbin that hit with that spear, right? Or was it rude? No, it was rude. Okay, it was rude. But, uh, yeah, just once again, this freaking mischief tag team of Rude and Ziggler jobbing out again. Like, there's still no reason for this tag team to be here. I don't get it. I'll never understand it. Nah, neither uh, do I. But you think it could get worse than the big dog? Nope, it gets worse. Because now we have uh, 
I, I don't know why this was a thing, but Braun Strowman versus Drew Gulak. <laughs> and basically the whole time it all Drew, Drew Lack, um, God, Drew Lack. His doppelganger. I'm there Drew Gulak. I mean, he cut the hair. He's doing PowerPoint presentations. He might as well be. But um, <laughs> yeah, he starts talking about how he didn't expect him to beat Tyson Fury. That just turns into Strowman doing his Strowman thing, like beating up people who don't matter. Like it just, uh, I, I I got scared too because at one point I really thought Tyson Fury was going to show up again. I was like, don't tell me you're really doing this. Like I I got scared. But that ended. Thank Jesus, it ended. Next matchup, the SmackDown Tag Titles, New Day versus The Revival. Finish this match, well, <laughs> no finish because Undisputed Era comes in and basically wrecks shop. And the, and and the, the, and the con- invasion continues. Yeah, the SmackDown locker room get out, get um, out there. But once again, NXT evades. It seems like they can't get the drop on them anymore. Like NXT repeatedly just showing up, beating them up, and then dipping. Yeah. Uh, just more heat going into Survivor Series. Yeah, which I mean, it just seems like more one sided because it's like it seems like they can't get any advantage on NXT lately. Yeah. But I mean, it was, it was a good match, definitely for what it was. Yeah, I, I knew that no matter what happened, Revival was not winning those tag titles back because why switch up the Survivor Series team three times? Doesn't make sense. They need. They did a miserable job at ironing out a tag division. They had all the opportunities in the world, and uh, it, the tag divisions always consist of two to three tag teams at most. It's so dry, and uh, yeah. the revival unfortunately are now victims of that. You know, and it's like they they only try to take them seriously when they want them to stay around. So it's like you can't even take them seriously when they are champions. Yeah, one thing that uh. You didn't really bring up was that we did have a Firefly Funhouse segment prior to any of this. Oh, uh, yes, we did kick it off with the Funhouse. And in that Firefly Funhouse segment, Bray did a magic trick to the WWE Universal Championship. And in that magic trick, he winds up changing the color. So we get for the first time in history, a new version of the WWE Universal Championship blue to reflect the brand that it is now a part of being SmackDown. Yeah, which I heard a little bit of talk off and on that they were going to change its look, but good to see the full confirmation of it. Yeah, so uh, there you go with your new universal title, courtesy of Magical Bray. Yay. And it looks good, you know. I have no complaints about this title. You know, It actually looks really good. The blue complemented very well. Yeah. It's also available already, the replicas, on shopwwe.com. I swear they don't waste time with this stuff. Yeah, they are not playing here. So if you want to look for, at your... for, for first the hemp belt before the show even went off the air, now we got this. Like... Yeah, so right there, shopwwe.com, you can get your replica belt of that. And uh, the fun doesn't end there because they did yep. a few other replica titles. You thought we were talking about SmackDown again, didn't you? No, we're mm-hmm. not even ready for SmackDown yet, my friend. <laughs> Because I'm going to try to bring it up on screen here. Let's see if it loads in. Time for the replica title segment of the show. <laughs> replica title segment. Hopefully that doesn't become a thing. I might quit if it does. <laughs> Every you week know. is a new pedal. You know, I'm going to www.shopsup.com. So give me a second, people, without thing. But yeah, the Hogan custom belt. 
Hell yeah. Some of y'all thought he wasn't coming back when he got a belt. Yeah, there it is. It's the Hulk Hogan Hulkamania Signature Series Championship Replica. I don't know how you could have a replica of a belt that never existed in the first place. But this is a replica of an uncannon belt. (laughs) Get off the screen. Oh, see. Oh, God. That's actually a good question. How do you have a replica of a belt that's not canon? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think the color's that cool either. Yeah, it doesn't work as well as I think they thought it would. It's kind of eh. Yeah, well, there it is. If you want that belt, you could be a real American. Mm. Yeah. If you want somebody to walk up in your, walk in your house and think you spelled ketchup and mustard all of your replica belt, we got you. Yeesh. Right? <laughs> I love how that's the first thing I thought of. <laughs> And it's more expensive than their other belts. That's the scarier part. The, the new belt right. that just came out, Bray's belt, is is cheaper than this belt. Like I guess because it's Hogan, and it means a lot, you know. Yeah. So, there you go. Get your racist belt. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm we just totally have one to ACH. I'm totally joking. That belt's not racist. Just uh, just Hogan. Anyway. <laughs> Don't tell that Jordan Miles will start liking the show and shit. Don't fucking. Yeah, you know what I mean? We'll start getting returning fans if we're not careful. Oh, God. oh no. No, 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 no. I won't go down that road again. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, where are we on this card? Uh, next thing up, we had uh, Heavy Machinery against Thing 1 and Thing 2. Uh, Tim's and Stevens, whatever faces were. And of yeah, course, right. they went over. Yeah, with yeah. the caterpillar and the compactor. Mm-hmm. Then we get Bailey against Nikki Cross with uh Shayna Baszler making an appearance. And uh, what else happened here? Tegan Knox and Rhea Ripley, Dakota Kai, Mia Yim. They all wind up jumping the barricade, and uh, they get they they basically bring Bailey to uh to Shayna, and then uh Banks winds up coming out to help Bailey. She winds up fighting with Shayna Baszler. And then it basically does the big explosion where everybody's fighting. Then we wind up getting a match out of this, right? We get uh, Dakota yeah, Kai. Get four on four. Dakota Kai, Mia Yim, um, Tegan Knox. Who's the fourth person on that team? Rhea Ripley. Yeah, Rhea yeah, Ripley. Was... Against uh, Sasha Banks, Dana Brooke, Nikki Cross, and Carmella. Yeah, this is Mia coming fresh off, almost dying in that ladder match. <laughs> Still mm-hmm. moving all right. Yeah, you gotta be. You, I mean, there was a take a thing, to the there face. There was a point where she, I think, she went for like a tilt a whirl or something, and she grabbed to her back. But I mean, besides that, not too bad. Yeah, no, not at all. Yeah, but know. this one of uh breaking down again. I think the cool thing I liked in this match was uh Sasha went for it looked like it was going to be a tilt a whirl DDT, and Ripley denied it and then hit the roughest suplex I've seen her hit. And she just screamed like this is NXT, and I was like, "Oh my god! Like this bitch is a savage, Sasha! Like, run! You're the smallest one in the ring. She's going to eat you." Yeah, right. <laughs> she, <laughs> I just love how when she did it, she wagged her finger. She did the Jurassic Park. Ah, 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 ah. Mm-hmm. And uh, SmackDown goes over. Yeah, SmackDown actually got one over on for once. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. And we got kind of interesting though that it was Dakota Kai that took the pin in this one as well, so it almost kind of reinforced uh, Ripley's thoughts on her not being strong enough for war games. Yeah, that's what I was saying earlier that she went to taking the job here. You know, they're still using her as the job. I don't know how well that heel turn will work, but we'll see. 
Which, I mean, it's a good bit of storytelling that that even carried over into another show. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm, I'm liking what they're doing. Like I said, I don't have complaints with WWE this season. Nah, they, they've, they've, they've been doing well so far. And then, of course, uh, we had Miz TV to basically finish everything off where uh, Daniel Bryan was the guest. And Miz asked, in a sense, why he thinks uh, Daniel attacked him. And Miz just almost, uh, Miz basically, as usual, because these guys are never going to get along, just starts poking at him, just saying, like, oh, he's, you're mentally unstable. You're weak, in a sense. And Brian snaps and basically said that he wasn't the same guy he was 10 years ago. And he said the reason, he said it's basically right, the reason that the Fiend's coming after him is because he knows he's mentally unstable. But Miz doesn't know what it's like to be mentally unstable and have passion. Yeah. But then, of course, the fire. I like that. I like that this. I've never. I don't think I've ever seen him do this yet. The Firefly Funhouse intro, in a sense, interrupts him mid promo, and and Bray tries to almost re-trigger uh, the yes chance. Yeah, he basically says that it's rude to talk about someone when they're not around, and uh, yeah, he basically uh, says that maybe the reason why the fiend does what he does is because he remembers something. He implies that there was some sort of a memory. He remembers what you did. Or maybe he just wants to play with you. Like, some yeah. kinds of crazy it, it, stuff there. And, it almost uh, kind of goes into what I was saying last week, where it's like, it's this, this hit list that the Fiend has. Because he had, because you, you can tell he's probably referring to uh, that steel cage match where Brian got in close enough and basically turned on the Wyatts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is interesting to go all the way back to that. That was that match where Danny Bryan got a concussion and he was disoriented when he went back to the top of the cage to start chanting yes with everyone after breaking off from the Wyatt. But yeah, if, yeah. if that's where they're going with him saying that he remembers and everything. But yeah, Wyatt asked uh, Danny Bryan if he's going to join them and he says no. And then uh, Bray basically says universal title match. Well, and and like we like you said, he tries to resurrect the, the yes chance. Yeah, but then Bray way. started doing it himself, which that was, it got creepy pretty quick. And then when Bray started doing it, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that was it, right? That's that was that was SmackDown in a nutshell. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. No fiend, like no sign of him whatsoever tonight. Yeah, well, you know, he was there in Bray form. Yeah. All right, we're almost out of here, guys. Two more things just a raw rundown and then the poll. Holy crap, hang on tight. So, raw. Raw has started with the opening match being Becky and Charlotte against the Iconics with the finish being Charlotte's figure eight on Billy Kay to a tap while Becky keeps Peyton Royce back with the, with the Bexploder. Um, this was a terrible first match. It was very brief and pointless. Everyone's promos were longer than the match itself and it was just another, um, point of the Iconics jobbing out. Didn't like it that much, but it was to another end because afterwards Ronda's horsewomen show up. Chaina, Jessamyn Duke, and Marina Shafir, and they beat up the Iconics, and Flair and Lynch wind up charging the ring, but they wind up getting taken out by the three horsewomen before uh, Becky and Charlotte try to chase them through the crowd, but for once, security works, and they wind up keeping the people that have a right to be there away from defending their territory, but they didn't protect them from getting ambushed in the first place. Brilliant. And then one guy got stuck by Becky. Yeah, which he deserved for being a shitty security guard, so take that, ha. You know. AOP wound up beating the hell out of the Edgeheads backstage, which I guess that proves something. That proves the AOP's tough, right? Because they beat up the two jobbers. Woohoo! Right. Yeah. Carl Anderson uh, has a match against Humberto, with the finish being Humberto going over via Montez Fours, reversing the pin. But this is after a series of different uh, cheating attempts by the other OC members anyway, so he was just kind of uh, evening the odds. So, 
it backfired in their favor, in a sense, right? Yeah, most definitely. And then we get Bobby Lashley against No Way Jose. And uh, I didn't care for the match at all. What basically winds up happening is uh, Lashley goes over via full Nelson with Jose passing out in the move. It's so bad. Like, did that promo Lana cut before maybe want Jose to win so bad? It, the, the, the saddest part is that from what we're hearing, uh, according to Meltzer, he's saying that uh, there's not even a plan to have the Rusev, Lana, Bobby Lashley thing be a part of Survivor Series. So they put everybody through all of this. Now a big pay-per-view is coming up. That's not even on the card. Like, at this point, it'd be a waste of a pre-show match. That's how bad this yeah, is. Maybe they'll put on the card the last minute. Like I said, there's still a week left. It's still possible. But at the end of the day, that's a raw storyline, right? It wouldn't. Nothing like that's going to happen on SmackDown. So it would be a very last minute thing. And, uh, I don't know. That's kind of lazy of them. I hope not. I don't know what the hell they're doing with that. Um, anyway, then we get Rollins against Andrade with the finish being, um, the Lucha House party comes and they want to beating up Rollins. This is a SmackDown attack. They're wearing the SmackDown t-shirts just to make sure that everybody knows the reason why. And, um, then Andrade's pissed off because essentially they cost him the match, which the match was for him to possibly take Rollins' place as captain of the team. Then they wind up, uh, he winds up fighting them and they beat him up too until Rollins comes in for the save, furthering the battle lines before Rollins. It's just, it's just mm-hmm. funny to see the Lucha House party jump at somebody. It was weird. Yeah. I first, I <laughs> it made for, me laugh for, when I realized for, what was brief, happening. for a brief second, I thought Andrade was starting his own Hispanic stable. It was like, is this going to be like the LWO with Eddie? Oh, uh, no, no, no. No, thankfully not. <laughs> yeah. Coming to Monday Night Raw, the Chinos. <laughs> Then we get this really awkward segment where Buddy Murphy's knocking on Alistair Black's door to pick a fight where he's just like, Alistair, I want to be the one who fights you. But he leaves really fast, unusually fast. And Black pops out of his door and he's looking around like, did somebody knock? Which, uh, he, yeah, he, he did like the, you, he did like, you kids on my lawn again. Like, what the fuck? It was just an awkward segment. And then the most awkward part about it was later on, they pick it back up again where he's, knocks again and this time the guy's right there and they just stare at each other and then it cuts to another scene and it was like so what was the point of having it happen the first time if it didn't lead to anything like it was almost like a joke with no punchline he knocked the yep. first time and he wasn't there and he knocked the second time but he was home that time that was the like, whole, that's the writing there wasn't and, like and if, and if, if you were thinking um because i think his match was next i was thinking okay that's where the payoff's gonna be yeah no, it was there, there, there's no payoff to anything that was happening here. And like I said, it, it was just really sad because I thought it was going to be a running gag that he knocks. And then once again, he comes on. He's like, there's nobody there. But no, it was just it just led until this time he was there. End of end of whatever the uh, the the freaking sequence was, which who knows what the hell they were going for that for. But before we even get into anything with that, um, there's three or four, there, there's um some SUVs, four SUVs that show up um, with Triple H there. And they say he has his NXT army with him. The next match is Buddy Murphy against Akira Tozawa with the finish being Buddy, Buddy Murphy going over with Murphy's Law. Um, one noteworthy thing about this match that I like was Buddy Murphy catching Tozawa through the ropes when he was going for that suicide headbutt. He catches him into a headlock and then transitions that into a suplex. So that was solid looking stuff. Yeah, that, yeah. that was a really entertaining match between those two. I think they kicked out almost everything you threw at each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Really good looking match. And, um, once again, we get Eric Rowan who's backstage looking at something in a cage when he's making kissy faces at it. I don't know what the hell's going on here. Uh, but Rowan does have a match against Alex Malcolm. And during the match, this just turns into a bunch of let's just throw everything out there because, um, truth is out there. And then like, uh, 
I guess he's doing something with the Singh brothers. They once again have the 24 seven title somehow involved in this. And, um, Rowan winds up still kicking the hell out of the, the jobber that's there, the Malcolm guy with the face hugger choke slam. It was just a clusterfuck pretty much with Rowan. The one over. thing out of all this that happened that didn't make sense to me was when true was when he, uh, Rowan took out both things. And Truth runs around the other side of the ring and ran right past the same brother that was down. Instead of calling So in my head, I'm like, he was right there. Such <laughs> an opportunity that he missed because when they got their asses kicked in that room where with Rowan, he was right there and he didn't cover him right there. I don't know what they're doing. They can't even do this right. You know. But uh Rowan goes over in his shitty match. And we get Drew McIntyre against Kevin Owens. Um, but we really don't because Triple H winds up showing up. Um, which leads to, uh, I believe, did Owens go over in the match? Uh, I, I, the match never even finished. Owens almost, Owens was about to go over, I believe. Yeah, because he hits two stunners. I don't remember if he went for a cover after the second one. But yes, Triple H winds up showing up and he does a really cool promo where he talks about how Kevin Owens was taken, not by choice, but he was taken from NXT. And, uh, he wound up with people who didn't realize they didn't want him until after they had him and, uh, how he was one of the people to help mold NXT. And then, uh, in the meantime, outside of the ring, you got the Forgotten Sons and Damian Priest and Donovan Dijak all standing there. And, uh, the Raw guys show up, um, to take out the NXT guys. But then from behind of Owens, the Undisputed Era comes and it looks like Triple H wasn't, uh, cool with this, but they wind up taking out Owens. And then the OC show up and they clear the ring of all of the NXT guys. So, uh, again, more furthering of the battle lines leading into the Survivor Series. After this, we get Paul Heyman, who brings it via satellite to make Lesnar versus Mysterio into a no-holds-barred match, which Mysterio backstage has an interview where he retorts to that and talks about how, uh, you know, he's going to attack Brock and, you know, just a back-and-forth thing between the two of them. Uh, and he talks about maybe this is more of an advantage for him than it is for Brock, which I was thinking the same thing. Any match you're in with Brock is practically no holds barred. Brock it just might gives, as well be. Brock just gives the other person an example, uh, an advantage because they can bring a rocket launcher now. <laughs> like at this point it's making it fair <laughs> yeah Oscar has a match against Natalia with the finish being Oscar with the roundhouse kick uh knockout via Carrie Sane assist uh we get the Viking Raiders against Randy Orton and Ricochet um and one of the things that made me laugh about this was it was Randy Orton and an unknown opponent which we're clearly thinking it must be Ricochet due to what happened last week. But when they revealed that it's Ricochet, I don't know who it was, but someone had commented at the nurse to say, this is unexpected. And it was like, really? What, what, what could be <laughs> more, what could be more expected than this? You know, <laughs> would it be unexpected if it was like doing the clown. That's unexpected. Yeah, exactly. And we, uh, we just watched them team a week ago. Like, no, mm-hmm. but then this match gets interrupted as well, because when Orton's uh going for the RKO, Missed this match. SmackDown roster comes out and, uh, they wind up attacking Orton. So inadvertently, Orton and Ricochet win by disqualification. And, uh, the SmackDown guys wind up beating up the Viking Raiders and everybody in the ring. But, uh, basically this happens. And then the NXT stars, Champa and Keith Lee and Pete Dunne and Matt Riddle, or Rush, they all wind up running down. And, uh, they're fighting with the Raw guys. And then the Forgotten Sons are out there and the Undisputed Era. And then, uh, I don't know. Basically, everybody's fighting with everybody all over the damn place. And then backstage, Triple H is there and he's saying that this is just the beginning because, uh, this is going to end the Survivor Series. But for the time being, for the rest of the week, he, he basically tells Raw and SmackDown to show up at NXT on Wednesday because the door's going to be left wide open for them. 
And uh, they basically go off the air hot with everybody beating the hell out of each other. Almost the first one. The last thing you see is AJ take a knee from Roderick Strong and just crumple to the ground. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. I don't know. If, if I'm Raw and SmackDown, I wouldn't take that invitation. I watched what happened the last time the OC showed up at NXT. <laughs> like, they will fuck y'all up in your house and they house. Like. Yes, yes, they will. So that was pretty good coverage there. Now we're finally, guys, at the final part of the night. I can't even believe that we made it here. It felt like it's the Survivor won. Series. Pope. Yeah, too bad we don't have to drop by. It's the Survivor Series. Oh my god! We got it. by next year. We need that drop. I swear to God, <laughs> running into the ground. Fuck it. If you're listening on demand, the uh, the Survivor Series link is already a button on the top of our website, talkbrunch.com. Also, it's embedded underneath. If you just want to stay on the site and vote, and I am also linking it in the chat room right now. As we speak, for those of you still in the chat room. Time to do some voting. There's a link for you there. All right. We are on the page now. The uh, first match on the lineup is the triple threat match between United States champion AJ Styles, NXT TV champion Roderick Strong, and Intercontinental champion Shinsuke Nakamura. Straight TV title, Tim. Holy shit. <laughs> oh, so this this is going to be one of those series of matches. I mentioned this in the chat room getting into it. It, I think a one thing that's going to play a great deal is what Roderick has left after war games. Because all the NXT champions who are on this card, I virtually all of them are would have been in that match. So if I'm taking that into consideration and saying... Maybe he winds up not having enough left. It's still a tough one. Because we've seen what happened when when AJ and Nakamura have been up together. AJ's always taken the win. But then Roderick's still kind of the unknown. So it's like, re- it's a really tough call to make. Yeah. Uh, I think, for me, I think this one's going to be AJ. You think you go AJ on this one? Yeah, I think AJ's the obvious choice. But I think it's the really the only choice here. I'm going AJ Styles. Yeah, I think I think the war games match is gonna definitely play a lot more of a factor for Roderick than almost anybody else. Yeah, for sure. Cause I mean that's not exactly gonna be a walk in the park. That kid's gonna go through hell in that thing. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then next up, first time ever, a three-way Survivor Series elimination match. Team Raw versus Team SmackDown versus Team NXT. Team Raw, made up of Seth Rollins, Ricochet, Drew McIntyre, Randy Orton, and Kevin Owens. Team SmackDown, Roman Reigns, King Corbin, Braun Strowman, Shorty G, and Mustafa Ali. Yes. And Team NXT, we still don't know. That's interesting. That's the part that makes it tough, is we don't know who that team's going to be. Well, who the hell's left that's not going to be in a match? (laughs) Like, you could have Ciampa. You could definitely, in fact, the guys, that, most of that team who's going to be in war games could virtually be Team NXT. You see? So we got that figured out there. What team do you see taking this? Oh, see, now that's the thing. Now, here's the thing, because I think this mm-hmm. could be a match where NXT could take it. Because when you look at Team Raw and Team SmackDown, there's feuds all over the place in both so, teams. So the leader of Team Raw is Rollins, and the leader of Team SmackDown is Roman? Yeah. 
That's kind of interesting that the two of them are pinned against each other. So who will be the leader of the NXT team? I feel like uh, if we're going by what we just thought, probably would probably have to be Champa. But you got Champa as the third person. That is that that works. Yeah, like I feel like the NXT team, no matter who it is, it's you're gonna have the more solid team because it's not a bunch of guys. I mean, we've seen tonight we had Team Smack, Team Raw guys fighting each other. We saw last week we had Team SmackDown guys fighting each other. We haven't seen that same thing with NXT. So who do you see taking this? Uh, I gotta give this one to the black and yet I gotta give this one to the black and gold brand. I think NXT takes this one. Yeah. Hmm. There's a lot of cases where I could see NXT taking it just because of the people on Raw and SmackDown's teams. I think this one's gonna be Raw. I just have a feeling it's gonna be Raw here. There's too much yeah. nonsense in the uh, SmackDown team. I mean, Corbin's on the same team. He's gonna cost Roman the damn thing. Yeah, and then you have McIntyre on Raw's team, who at this point, McIntyre's had beef with everybody on that team at one point or the other. Yeah, but he's really the only one. I think the rest of these guys will be able to cooperate aside from him. So, yeah, I'm going going Raw on that one. Plus, they're always hiring Rollins, so yeah. Yeah. Then next up, the Women's Survivor Series Elimination Team. Team uh, SmackDown, we have Sasha Banks. Dana Brooke, Nikki Cross, Carmella, and Lacey Evans. I don't even know how they even told us Raw and NXT's teams. Uh, the NXT team, uh, yeah, was, wasn't it the one that Dakota Kai didn't make the cut in? No, that was the War Games team. Oh, that's true. That's true. You're right. Hmm. I don't know. I'm yeah, I don't even know if they told us the, the other two teams. It would I don't have think to be I... someone from the, uh, from the War Games. Yeah, it's strange that the survive, that how the hell do they expect you to know or be, be able to anticipate who's, if, if the only team we have is, uh, is this one? Yeah, it's, it's, just, it, it's weird. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's hard gotta, to vote on this one. Like, <laughs> these are all SmackDown people, right? Yeah, the, the, this whole team, this whole group is Team SmackDown. It's weird that Raw just passed and they didn't show who the team was going to be for, for Survivor Series for them. Like you, 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 the whole, the whole surprise at the pay-per-view thing, like it's kind of outdated, guys. We didn't know this shit ahead of time. Yeah, just showing one team, not really objectively able to vote. Who, who could we put on the other teams? I mean, NXT, we could probably, in fact, NXT, you could have almost the whole War Games team and Dakota Kai because that that's five people. That might be what we're looking at. That might be the turn that you were talking about, you know? Yeah, that could uh, be it. Where uh, we get uh, Dakota Kai will flip on them because she wasn't in the war games. We'll see. I guess that would be one possibility. Um, I don't and know. And that's, and, and, and that's assuming she doesn't take being a part of the Survivor Series team as almost like a consolation prize. But So then who's on Raw's team? God, that much I don't even know because they couldn't be Becky. I mean, I think... Uh, I think they mentioned tonight that, like, what, Charlotte was going to be the captain of that team, I believe. And that's all we know, huh? So that's all we know is Charlotte. Just because Charlotte's the team captain, and if we're assuming that it is the War Games team and Dakota Kai, it's another thing. What are they going to have left after War Games is over? Yeah. So what I team know, are you I, going I, for I, I feel like I could give it to Team Raw, because Charlotte is a really good choice for a captain, for sure. We'll go with Raw, even though we're going in blind. Fair enough. Yeah. Then Latin up next, Battle of the Tag Champions, Undisputed Era, the NXT Tag Champions, the Viking Raiders, Raw Tag Champs, and New Day, the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Uh-huh. Um, who do you see going over here? Um, 
because of the fact that they have that I've noticed just the whole time they've been in NXT, they have that habit of if you forget about one, the other one sneaks up behind you. I could see Undisputed Era sneaking in the back door and taking this. Because mm-hmm. all they need is for all they need is for somebody to forget about either Bobby or Kyle for a split second. We've seen from the stuff from even when in that feud in ROH with uh, Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly can take unreal amounts of punishments and still keep going. Yeah. And I think that's something that Fish can definitely rely on. If we're going by logical booking to me, I think that uh, New Day and all right, you could be right. But I think the New Day should be the ones to go over. One of them is is a former world champion. That's a current former world champion. He was the last world champion before the one that's defending on this pay-per-view. You know what I yeah. mean? So it's kind of like, uh, you know, they're going up against a world champion. That alone and the credibility of him and the fact that it's Survivor Series, I would I would have it be New Day. So Yeah. I mean, I definitely the one going. The only thing a new day I think gives them a disadvantage is it's two teams they've never been in the ring with, whereas as undisputed era and Viking Raiders have fought before. Right. So new day is almost kind of the odd. That's where I mean, new day definitely win would make the most sense, but it wouldn't be surprising to see them lose just because it's two teams they've never been in the ring with before. Mm-hmm. And these are two completely different teams from what they faced before. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be unpredictable. Then next up, we have a uh, triple threat: Raw, SmackDown, and NXT Women's Champions. The man, Becky Lynch, Bailey, and the Queen of Spades, Shayna Baszler. Uh, I think that Bailey needs this more than either person on here. And that, uh, it's a good opportunity for her to further her heel persona by getting it in a conniving way, maybe with Sasha's assistance or some sort of heel tactics. Uh, I don't think that it will do anything for Becky or Shayna, who's going to go back to NXT when this is all said and done. And Becky, who does, doesn't really matter, honestly. Not going to get any points for tapping out Bailey. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that does actually make, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Bailey is the one who needs to win. It's not going to hurt Shayna or Becky to lose this match. Yeah. So that I mean, I, be- I believe at this point, I mean, I know Shayna right now has the record for the most acu- most consecutive um, cumulative days over both her runs as uh, NXT Women's Champion. Becky's been white hot since WrestleMania, so Bailey's the one who needs it. And they've been very much making an effort to make her a part of this feud, which is good. So we're gonna get that for yeah. sure. Most definitely. And up next, back in the world title picture. Daniel Bryan going one-on-one with the Fiend Bray Wyatt for the Universal Championship. Uh-huh. And, uh, I mean, clearly the Fiend goes over here, at least in my yeah. opinion. Daniel Bryan is here to help put people over like he did with Kofi. And, uh, you know, the last thing in the world they need is for Bray Wyatt to start losing to everybody again. Exactly. This Fiend thing has been going too good for them to just have him have just a mediocre title run like the last time. Yeah, so I think that, you know, it'll be a good match. Maybe it'll be some sort of a twist, but I think at the end of the day, Bray keeps the title no matter what. Oh, yeah, for sure. Seth almost killed him at Crown Jewel, and he still won the belt, so. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. And then the main event of the evening. No holds barred for the WWE Championship. Brock Lesnar defending against Rey Mysterio. I don't know what the hell they're trying to accomplish here. I have no idea. 
I have we've no seen, clue whatsoever. I've seen I've seen Ray destroy big guys before, but he was a lot younger. I mean, he's yeah. I've seen him destroy big dudes. You know, um, I don't think they're gonna do that though. Now, now the only thing is, I mean, the last time we've seen Bray and I mean we've seen Ray and Brock in the same place. There have been weapons. Ray's managed to get the upper hand on him. Yeah, but do you think I mean, Ray, he, the, the Rey Mysterio is going to become the WWE champion at Survivor Series? I don't. It, that's the thing. Like they're building it up as if the fact that the fact that Ray's going to have weapons is going to give him a little bit more of an even playing field. But we've seen all Brock needs is just one chair shot or one shot with that pipe to miss, and it's a wrap. I'm sorry, but they haven't even attempted in all these months to make Ray seem like a fathomable threat to Brock Lesnar. Not even slightly. You, nah. you can't have a guy win the title that a few weeks ago you threw one his son on top of his fucking godfather or whatever the hell they did. You know what I mean? It's like they, they don't come off as a threat. And Rey Mysterio hasn't been featured in the WWE product, even though he's been very much a part of it, he hasn't been featured like if he's in a prominent role. So it just will be uncharacteristic for this guy who's intermittently around to suddenly be the champion, even though the champion's intermittently around. It just doesn't seem like they're, they're pushing for Ray. You know, like when Kofi was going to become champion, it was all about Kofi. He was in the ring doing promos with Vince. You know, they were focusing on his climb. They were showing you video packages throughout the weeks of everything that he's going through, everything that he's gone through, backstage segments. And then he became champion because they were building to it. Ray is hardly ever around, even when he is. And it just doesn't feel like it's a, it's something that they would do. I'm I'm going to have to go Brock, you know? Yeah, Brock, Brock is, seems to be the one where it's like it makes the most logical sense. It would just be completely like out of like the ball field three miles down the street for Ray to win this match. Yeah, so that is it. That is the end of the poll, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. This is the first time in a few years that championships are actually being defended at Survivor Series. Yeah. This is going to be fun. Like I said, it's always my favorite pay-per-view. Don't forget, guys, we're going to be in the chat room throughout all of these events. I don't know what's going to have post shows and what isn't. But either way, you know, we're always here. Just come into the chat room. Talkbrunch.com. If you've never been here before, top of the page is the chat room. That window right there. And that's where all of our live stuff will be. So tune in for that. And then Monday, of course, is our anniversary. Right now, uh, the website is officially um, another year old. I think it's five years, right? Yeah, I want to say it's about five. Yeah. So awesome. And again top of the page vote it helps when you guys vote uh so we get an idea of what our community thinks is going to happen with these matches we go through the trouble of making the polls you can go through the trouble of uh clicking the answers right am i right clicking the answers is way less work way less work than <laughs> we do i've watched him make these polls before trust me you know we put a lot of effort and energy into making sure we give you guys some good content so utilize it please that's all we ask all right so that being said thank you to everyone who's hung out with us for the go home show to our survivor series weekend to stasis dreams and emang aka eb gamer six slay aka ac willie v2 kula ice joe woko matthias 2314 mark 710 matt squires straight flex and 26 stallion of style sir legend legend sugar shane 94 apex wolverine Cotter 94 Muse Lard Twisted G Momoshiki Atsusuki 
Arcom 812, Kitsap Beast, Damper Muzzle 673, Guided Oregano 70, Pet Pet Soul, Sea Chef, Podsu 100, and Neil Crusher Zero. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Talk Brunch Live, episode 351, hosted by yours truly, Rick Dyer, aka Captain Brunch. For myself and Dustin, we are out of here. War games, here we come. <laughs>